Neighbors, this week on the Tech Night Out Live, we're going to have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show and loop at loopinsight.com. We'll also talk to Kirk McElhern, who's going to tell you why Apple won't let him sign up for iTunes Match on his regular working Mac. We'll also hear from John Martellero of the Mac Observer at macobserver.com to talk about problems with DirecTV and whether malware is a serious problem on the Google Android smartphone platform. All this and more this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. So, Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards radio show in the loop at loopinsight.com. We think about the statement that Steve Jobs made in a blog where he said that Flash was a mess and that there was no particular reason to not give it up and embrace the future. Adobe cried crocodile tears. How dare Apple try to control us? In the meantime, Apple sells, what, 250 million iOS devices without Flash. There is a limited function Flash version on some Android devices. Now it looks like Adobe has thrown in the towel, at least on the mobile version, right? Yeah, indeed. Uh, Adobe uh, has indicated that there won't be any more uh, iterations of its uh, of its mobile Flash uh, software, which is really a capitulation to Apple any way you slice it. It doesn't mean that they're giving up Flash on the desktop anytime soon, but it really does a fly in the ointment when it comes to seeing Flash used on mobile devices. There's no question. Of course, and with hundreds of millions of mobile devices out there, web developers have to say, well, if we want our sites to be seen properly on those devices, we've got to offer an alternative. So that you have to have like a double version of the site depending on the so-called user agent, what kind of browser is accessing it, or they say, you know what, let's give up Flash. Well, for forward-looking developers, surely, if you take a look at a statistical breakdown of web usage, only a minority, a fairly small minority of people who are accessing the web are doing so on any kind of mobile device at all. Most web work still is done on desktop machines or devices that can pass as desktop machines in a pinch, like netbooks. So having said that, there's very little question that web usage going forward is going to be very focused uh, on the mobile space. You know, any web developer worth their salt, any web designer worth their salt, has got to be thinking, wow, how much more of an investment do I want to make in Flash if this is technology that a, a small but growing percentage of my, my users are not going to be able to access? And I've been getting some emails lately, public relations releases about products that offer to convert Flash videos to various HTML5 content. 
Exactly, yeah. Well, HTML5 is where it's at. It's where Apple has staked its claim. It's also actually where Microsoft has staked its claim. So Microsoft is is very pro-HTML5. So are other uh, developers. The interesting thing to, to me, Gene, is how this impacts the marketing of Google Android devices, because one of the things that we've seen focused on a lot in advertising up until now, not just on Android, but for also devices like RIM's Playbook, for example, that failed iPad competitor from the BlackBerry folks. And it might be um, the it, former BlackBerry folks if they don't get their acts together. If they don't get their acts together, exactly right, is that they can run Flash. But people who are buying these devices don't seem to really care about Flash too much. The thing that I'm hoping the most is that I'll soon be able to access restaurant websites that don't make use of Flash because they're the absolute biggest purveyors of Flash-based garbage I've ever seen in my life. I know, and this is a big problem. Even if you want to get the menu, and usually the menu would be like a PDF file that you can view and see what's going on, they'll insert some Flash garbage. Totally unnecessary. Who needs it? When I go to a restaurant website, I want some basic information, some nice color pictures of the restaurant, maybe a list of reviews so I know what other people think about it, and the hours and the menu. Exactly. You know, keep it simple, make it basic, but no, they have to load it with lots of animation and, you know, some stupid music and a whole bunch of menus that I don't want. Just give me the facts. Give me the basic information. Give me PDFs if you have to. But the Flash stuff is unnecessary most of the time. The criticism I have of restaurants is the ones that don't give you the entire menu in one file. You know, they have the lunch menu, the dinner menu, the appetizers, desserts, drinks, whatever, so on, so forth, the combo plates, and suddenly you want to download a menu to look at at your convenience. You've got 10 or 12 different things to download. Yeah, exactly. That's very true. I Um, just want a menu. And this is funny because I know the other day we went to a Mediterranean restaurant and just for takeout in the neighborhood. And I said, can I have a takeout menu? And they said, no, go online and look at the menu because we want to save paper. <laughs> of course, I went online and I printed the menus. It didn't save any paper. Well, yeah, but you saved them paper because they didn't have to print out 500 copies of the menu. They just they made you do it instead. You know, it's kind of like buying tickets for a concert and having to print it out on your own computer. And the boarding pass for the airline. Right, exactly. You know, you do it with your money. Enrich the printer makers. Exactly. It's a conspiracy, I tell you. That's right. They're all trying to get us. It's a horrible conspiracy. They're succeeding, too. They are, as a matter of fact. Speaking of conspiracies, did you get any feeling yet about the Amazon Kindle Fire? I'm sure you haven't tested one yet, have you? I have not gotten my hands on one. Uh, But from what I've heard, you know, the Amazon Kindle Fire certainly isn't going to uh, displace the iPad from its position of dominance anytime soon. Um, Although it does seem to be a pretty robust uh, little device for its price point, where it's going to impact is in the the low-end tablet market and uh, the e-reader market, which Amazon obviously already dominates with the Kindle, uh, with the regular Kindle reader. So Is that uh, going to just take sales away from regular Kindle users. But the other question I have is reviews I've read point to a very unfinished operating system interface where, you know, you touch the screen and you expect response because it happens on your iOS device here, you know, maybe you touch it a couple of times. The video playback's ragged, very unfinished operating system. Kind of the complaints you get with Android devices because this is an Android-based 
tablet, even though Amazon's done a lot of fit and finish things. Yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. You know, and this is the complaint that you actually read about a lot of Android-based devices. You know, their lack of responsiveness, the lack of cohesion in the user interface. It's actually something interesting that you should bring up because there's an article over on Slate.com written by Farhad uh, Manju talking about using Ice Cream Sandwich, which is the um, Android 4.0 operating system. And he said that by, by all accounts, according to what uh, Google has told a number of different uh, journalists and what they've said publicly, uh, they've gone through a lot of, of effort to, to try to rework the Android 4.0 user experience to try to make it a more robust user experience for people, but they've failed. You know, they, they just can't seem to get a consistent user interface going. They can't seem to make things nearly as, as precise or as nice or as tied together as Apple um, succeeds with iOS devices. It's, it's one area where Apple just continues to demonstrate an ability to set itself apart from the competition over and over and over again. Well, this is something I don't think gets the right publicity. I know last week I was interviewing somebody who said, oh, the Kindle Fire is great. And I said, what about these bugs? Oh, don't worry about it. Well, I don't know, but I think if I go out there, even though it's only $200, and I spend $200 on something, and I guess in this economy, even only $200 is, frankly, a lot of money, and I get it, and it doesn't work right. What's my recourse? I just send it back, and that's it? Do I hope that Amazon's going to give me a 1.1 update for the operating system? What am I going to do? Well, I think it's a little of both. You know, the expectation is certainly there that Android is going to continue to improve the product. The, the Kindle Fire is certainly more modular and more upgradable than other Kindle devices have been in the past. But having said that, yeah, I mean, you know, the vast majority of consumers out there haven't touched an iOS device in general, so may not really know what to expect. They may have heard of the iPad, you know, they may be certainly familiar or cognizant with the idea of, you know, a touch-based device either from using an iPhone or an iPod Touch or an Android device, or maybe even they're one of the six people who has tried a Windows 7 device. Well, that's maybe seven people, because I have to think that Steve Ballmer tried one. We have Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards Radio Show in the Loop. At loopinsight.com, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hey, folks. In today's fast-paced work environment, getting everyone in the same room for a meeting can be challenging, especially when they work in different locations. And that's why I use GoToMeeting with HD Faces by Citrix. It is amazing. You can collaborate online by sharing your presentation. While seeing colleagues face-to-face in high definition, they can hide their blemishes. Video quality is so clear and natural, it's like being in the same room. And all you need is an internet connection with a webcam It's that easy. So here's what I can do. For example, on the Paracast, which I host with my friend Chris O'Brien, we live in different locations. We need to share something, a document or something like that. All I have to do is call him up with GoToMeeting, and I say, Chris, take a look at this, and he said he's ready to go. You can try GoToMeeting with HD Faces free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, enter the promo code PODCAST, use the promo code PODCAST. 
When making important financial decisions, you should always know the facts. That's why Midas Resources is willing to pay you to read the facts. Midas Resources, a team of hand-picked financial specialists with decades of financial experience who are ready to provide you with state-of-the-art, up-to-date financial services. Midas Resources offers a host of services and stands behind their products. In fact, if you call and order their free Midas report, Midas Resources will pay you. This detailed report will provide you with financial history on the safest and most profitable areas to invest in. If you read the report, Midas Resources will send you a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. So what are you waiting for? Get the facts and call Midas Resources toll free at 888-292-2709. That's 888-292-2709. And remember, if you read the Midas report, you'll receive a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. You can't argue with success, and many people have found great success in fighting back colds and flu viruses with Ali C, the world's best garlic extract. So now, it's time to get even more success with the other great quality natural products from Affinity Health Products, like C Energy Liquid Vitamins, Lose and Snooze, and the One Day Diet, or Human Growth Hormone Support, Menopause Specialist for Women, and Joint Specialist. See these and many other quality Affinity Health products for men and women online at AffinityHealthProducts.com. That's A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y HealthProducts.com. Or call in your orders at 877-888-7126. That's 1-877-888-7126. Trust your health to the makers of Ali C, the world's best garlic extract. Affinity Health Products, the finest and most innovative natural health products available. You have storable food, filtered water, even shelter. But do you have a way to start a fire immediately? Now you can with InstaFire, a revolutionary, safe, simple, and versatile fire starter. InstaFire is a patented blend of volcanic rock, wood pellets, and paraffin wax that gets a fire blazing in just minutes. So just add water to your survival food and enjoy a hot meal in no time. InstaFire is self-sustaining fire and even starts right on top of snow or water or in any severe weather, even 40-mile-per-hour crosswinds. Sound incredible? It is. Check it out at InstaFire.com. A must for any preparedness kit, InstaFire easily lights with matches or flintlock lighters, is environmentally friendly stores easy with a 30-year shelf life is lightweight comes in a variety of sizes and starts at a buck 25 for a single pack or only 59.95 for a five gallon pail with free shipping go to instafire.com spelled i-n-s-t-a fire.com or call 888-482-4868 that's 888-482-4868 safe simple versatile instafire we want to hear from you if you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. With Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards Radio Show on the Loop at LoopInsight.com, we're talking here about the Apple world and the Android world. And isn't it unfortunate that people are saying, look how great these things work. 
And we know that, of course, there are more Android products out there than iOS devices, a larger selection and everything like that. But what about diminished expectations? Is that part of the thing that there's acceptance of Android because people are just grateful the thing works at all, not that it works well or not? It's kind of like the 80% solution. Well, that's just it. You know, I, the, the, the thing that's come through from previous generations of the Android operating system is that I think people who get Android devices suspect that their device, that their Android phones can do a lot. And in point of fact, Android phones are very capable phones. Many of them are very robust. And the operating system and all of the application software lets you do quite a bit. But the problem is that discovery, that process of discovery that lets you actually use that functionality uh, is lacking for most people's user experience. So although the device can do a lot of, of things... Very few users are actually capable of discovering what those things are and making use of them on a regular basis. Isn't that so, the Windows philosophy where Microsoft throws in hundreds and hundreds of extra features that maybe four people will use because they want to be complete, feature complete, but then discovering those features is difficult. And even when you get the feature up, there are so many bewildering, unfathomable options. You don't know what to do next. You're calling a consultant. Maybe consultants did it. Exactly. Yeah, well, that is kind of the Windows philosophy. I'm not sure that Android's development has really tracked a parallel that specifically with Windows, but the net result is the same. The net result is that you've got these devices that have unnecessary levels of complexity and just unnecessary levels of obtuseness about how they work compared with the simplicity and the design philosophy of iOS devices. So the big thing that Google has to do is not just tack on features, but make sure they're well integrated and exactly then also right. to decide what features not to include which is goes back to what apple vp phil schiller said many years ago one of the things you have to know are which features not to put in there or which features to take out i think that that's very true and i think that that uh, it's also important to know what to enforce when it comes to um, development of software for your platform as well. You know, Apple's been very good over the years about enforcing some basic elements of user interface consistency, not just, you know, for itself. It's, it's, it's actually probably one of the biggest offenders when it comes to maintaining user interface consistency for its own applications. But when it comes to telling its third-party developers what to do, you know, Apple's human interface guidelines, or HIG, have been sort of the, the Bible for user interface stuff on the Mac for a very long time. And there are, of course, parallels in iOS as well. Now, you know, when you get inside of an application framework for iOS, um, you know, obviously developers have free reign as to how they want you to interact with the device and, you know, how they want you to touch it and what touching does and so on. But in terms of how it interacts with the rest of the operating system and the device, that stuff is pretty heavily regulated by Apple. And that's very smart. The same can't really be said for the Android experience. And that is why You've got apps in the Android market that are malware or that um, are security risks or that will exploit information that, that, that you have on your phone. That's a big problem. You know, that those, those sort of security issues and those sort of user interface inconsistencies lead to a lot of problems. Now, later on, we're going to talk to John Martellero of the Mac Observer because he did an article about Android malware. And one of the points the people he talked to indicated is that, yeah, there are malware issues, but most of them are not in the U.S. So I guess if you live in China and use an Android device, you have problems, but it's not so bad here, which, of course, 
isn't very encouraging to me, but that's what the report was. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, the studies have shown that the vast majority of malware, just in general, for mobile devices are focused on Android devices, not on iOS. So that tells you something about the way that the systems are regulated um, that, that should be very telling indeed. Of course, that's what gets things so complicated, too, because you don't know when you look at stuff like that, oh, gee, you know, we're getting this smartphone. And I think people, when they go to buy a smartphone, if they don't have like an iPhone on there or they don't have it maybe in the back of their mind, they just look for something, oh, I want something to go on the web and I want something that I can do email with and it's got to be cheap. You know, I've got to pay for the contract. Maybe give it to me. You have something for $49. And they look and they see what looks prettiest or flashiest or has the most specs and they don't think in the geek terms of, well, maybe I'm not going to get better apps. I'm going to get inferior apps. I'm going to get malware. That's not on their radar until it's too late. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's an afterthought to a lot of people, and it shouldn't be. Well, you it's know, part I, of it is here. They shouldn't have to think about that. That's well. In it. a perfect world, that they wouldn't. But you know, I mean, computer use has been around for a very long time, and I talk to people who are new to the Mac platform all the time, and people will ask me what kind of antivirus software. Uh, should I put on, the, on on my Mac? So there, there's certainly people who have any sort of computer literacy whatsoever are certainly aware of malware and of its consequences. But I think that because it's a new device, because it's a phone, because it's not running the same operating system that's on their computers, they don't necessarily think that it's going to have the same problems. You know, so it's 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 a blind spot that people have to the technology that uh, hopefully for over time they will will not. The other question is here is whether Google in their efforts to expand the system, make it more usable, they're going to try to look at malware and take it seriously because that's that's the people that you have to deal with. Right. There is a report that Android growth in October kind of stalled a little bit, I guess because the iPhone 4S came out and maybe it's changing things. We'll have to see. But right now, in terms of smartphones, it looks like it's Apple and Google, but Microsoft has gone nowhere. But Microsoft, of course, is going to try to work with Nokia to see what happens. Let's look at some other subjects here. And one is, I don't know if you've heard this now, you have an iPhone 4S? I do not. I'm using the iPhone 4. Okay. On the iPhone 4S, of course, we all know we have the Siri personal assistant. They have commercials about it. And now comics are using it. For skits, you know, where the husband and the wife are arguing using Siri as the intermediary for the argument. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you know, Siri's uh, also uh, been spoofed in YouTube videos and definitely has caught sort of the, uh, um, the, 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 the imagination of, of the public. So when you take a feature in a commercial product, a smartphone, whatever, and you make it into a cultural icon... Think about that. That does a lot towards making the product more popular. You know, you didn't think of a digital music player. You thought iPod. And yeah, but it, you, it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's going to be hugely uh, successful. I mean, there's no question that Siri is making a uh, a big impact. But, I mean, uh, by the same token, Doonesbury goofed on uh, the Newton's handwriting recognition years ago. Um, so you could say that that attained some sort of culturally iconic status as well. But I, I see, I concede your point, Gene. It's it's definitely uh, uh, something that that is capturing the imagination of many many people. And I want, ladies and gentlemen, for this to capture your imagination, you're listening to the Tech Night Out Live. 
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Ready for cold and flu season? Now's the time to get ready and save during the pre-winter sale at HerbalHealer.com. Stock up on powerful, natural flu fighters like olive leaf extract, elderberry power, and grapefruit seed liquid. Don't forget your vitamin D3 this winter. Right now, HerbalHealer.com has 120 soft gels, 1,000 IUs on sale for only $9. And remember, HerbalHealer.com offers eFoods global products, delicious, premium, storable foods that contain no MSG no trans fats, no GMO, and have a 25-year shelf life. Click the eFoods link on HerbalHealer.com and try eFood storable meals for free. Bookmark HerbalHealer.com, then experience live chat, correspondence courses, and sign up for our free newsletter. As always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Log on and hit the pre-winter specials at HerbalHealer.com. Healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. Jason Lewis here with the holidays just around the corner. Be sure to consider the greatest gift you can give to your friends and family, peace of mind. That's why I choose WiseFoodStorage.com. WiseFoodStorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna, savory stroganoff, and pasta Alfredo that are packaged for freshness in individual metal Mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. And they're ready to eat in minutes. Simply add hot water. Request a free entree sample today at WiseFoodStorage.com and for a limited time, get free shipping and 10% off of your order. That's right, a free entree free shipping and 10% off any order. Just use promo code LEWIS, call 855-FOODWISE, that's 855-366-3947, or visit wisefoodstorage.com, that's wise, W-I-S-E, foodstorage.com. Gourmet emergency food at the best price, and the greatest gift you can give to the ones you love this holiday season. George Washington said, Government is not reason, it is not eloquence, it is force, like fire. It is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. America's government is no longer the servant of the people and the protector of our liberty, but has become that fearful master. We the people must understand the nature of this government gone awry if we are to be successful in saving our country. America is being deliberately destroyed by a cabal of international gangsters so that she can be forced into subjugation to a one-world government. The God-given, unalienable rights of the Declaration of Independence are in jeopardy. 
We must not let them be stolen by ambitious and evil men. Utopia Silver Supplements believes it is our God-given right to make our own health care decisions however we deem best. If we can help you with your supplement needs and better health, then help us win this health freedom battle. Visit us today at utopiasilver.com. That's U-T-O-P-I-A silver.com. Or call 888-213-4338. Again, 888-213-4338. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. I'll tell you, was that a good segue for our last segment, Peter Cohen? It certainly was. He was going to say something else, but then because he works on the Angry Mac Bastards radio show, and they say say things there that you can't really say on friendly commercial radio. That's right. But we don't want to get into that. But we were talking about Siri, whether it's becoming a cultural icon, and how obviously that can benefit Apple, because if you have a product that becomes a cultural icon, my heavens, that means more people will buy the product when they think of a smartphone, they say, well, does it have Siri? Oh, it doesn't have Siri. I don't want it. Yeah, one hopes. I mean, you know, obviously some uh, Android developers have tried to counter with different products that uh, offer um, similar functionality um, as, as as Siri does. Um, there's also uh, there are new, some new Android phones that uh, have some other really nifty technology like face recognition. Um, so you just hold the, the phone right up to your face, it, it, and it knows your face, and it unlocks as a result of that. So, uh, you know, as cool as Siri is, it's, it's not um, the only cool thing that's out there in terms of mobile technology. Now, Consumer Reports, in reviewing the iPhone 4S, they decided this time that the antenna was satisfactory, but they rated other devices, Android devices, better than the iPhone 4S for two reasons. They had larger screens... And some had 3D. Now, maybe you know, the 3D I, I is... Have to wonder, yeah. I have to wonder if Consumer Reports has ever actually used any of the devices that they test. You know, the, the thing that, that... I understand, you know, having a big screen. But in terms of usability, have you ever tried to use a big screen with one hand? The thing that, you, you, that becomes really apparent for anything that's larger than... Something slightly larger than the iPhone is that your thumb cannot sweep over... Uh, most of the phone's surface. So um, it, it all of a sudden becomes a two-handed uh, user experience to try to do anything on the phone, or you have to lift your hand up, which means cradling the phone with your other hand in order to, uh, to access anything on it. So, um, and as far as 3D is concerned, please, that is, that is a gimmick. Consumer Reports saying that 3D is important on the phones is just so incredibly clueless. Well, what it is is they're looking at spec bullet points. They say this has 19 specs, this has 18 because it only has 18 features, not 19 features. Therefore, the product with 19 features must be better. Yeah, this is great. You know, I could be reading Road and Track for the kind of analysis that I'm getting from that. Well, Road and Track at least will give you a fair break on how the car feels when it goes into a corner. Of course, you're asking that car to do things that you better not do on the road or the police will just be chasing you all over the place. You won't have a driver's license left. That's a very good point. But Consumer Reports maybe does good things when Consumer Reports tests something where you're forced to swerve the car to get out of the way of another car or a child or an animal, and the car tips over. 
Well, that's a bad thing. You don't want the car to tip over. That's a handling issue, perhaps. So you have to complain about that. That makes sense. But the thing that bothers me about Consumer Reports is they never, ever talk about usability and interface elegance with personal computers or smartphones. It's not on their radar. They no, don't understand it's totally it. about specs for them. That's all that they care about. Right. And you can't explain this to them. And then, of course, they're very rigid about how they set up their testing. So, for example, they set up a laboratory test that basically duplicated the iPhone 4's death grip. Okay? Not having a human being do it, but a laboratory test. So, therefore, they test other phones, and the other phones pass because they have problems, but those problems require a different kind of death grip. So they don't account for each phone having a different way of reproducing the same problem. That happens if you do a human test. Yeah, that happens if uh, you know, you've know you got any sort of sense about how you're doing your test. Well, that requires sense, too. Who knows? Speaking of sense, on last week's episode of the Tech Night Out Live, I ragged on Apple for a problem with iTunes Match. iTunes Match, of course, is where you subscribe for twenty four ninety nine on iTunes using iCloud. They will match up to 25,000 of your recordings. Of course, one of our other frequent guests, Kirk McElhern, has a lot more than 25,000 songs, and he's been shut out of iTunes Match. We'll get into that a little bit later. But right now, let's look at the situation here. Apple, in its infinite wisdom, has decided that if you change the iCloud username or if they think you've changed the iCloud username or Apple ID, you're locked out from using another name on your iPhone with iCloud or iTunes Match for 90 days. That seems kind of excessive. Even if it's a mistake. Even if it never happened. I have a situation with an iPhone where I went through some issues and I went to Apple's Express Lane chat for iCloud and they went through a few things and the upshot was the iPhone thought it had been activated with a different ID. It sends that inscrutable prompt on me every few days, even though it hasn't been, but I can't use iTunes Match with it. Disappointing. And I've written to Apple support. Now, let me explain. Apple support is very confusing. If you have iCloud or MobileMe, you can have a live chat with a person. If you want to call Apple and you have an extended Apple Care warranty or you're within the first three months of the warranty of your iOS device or your Mac, you know, Apple will talk to you free. Otherwise, it's $49 unless you can get them to waive the fee. I've talked to Apple, by the way, too. Now, if you want iTunes support, it's always by email, even if you bought 10,000 tunes from iTunes. Okay? You bought 10,000 tunes, you still get email support. Have you tried iTunes Match? I have, actually, yeah. What are your observations, my friend? You know, in some ways it's great. In other ways, it's really kind of disappointing. Um, first of all, I guess of my – I have about 17,000 songs in my library. Of those, I think about 5,000 of them did not match up to anything that Apple recognized as being part of the iTunes pantheon. So it needed to upload those 5,000 songs um, to the cloud in order to work. Now, I want to ask you a quick question here. Did you run into any situations where you have an entire album that you ripped from a CD? It has 14 songs on it. 12 songs are matched. Two songs are not. Explain that Hmm. to me. 
Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I wasn't keeping that close an eye on what it matched versus what it didn't because it was such just such a massive undertaking uh, for it to synchronize all that content uh, all together, which took, by the way, the better part of a day um, to do um, all told. That That's my first complaint about iTunes is that it took an ex- it just an indescribably long time to synchronize all that content. Now, compared to other cloud services, I guess I really can't complain that much. Other cloud services, you know, are much more bandwidth limited uh, than, than iTunes Match um, was or uh, at the time that, that, that I did it. And, um, I, you know, the, the, that kind of syncing could take days, if not weeks. So, all right, I'll accept that, that that's probably not a valid criticism. But on the other hand, the first time I actually tried to access iTunes uh, uh, match content over my iPhone, um, it timed out. My, I took, my iPhone would not connect to it no matter how many times I tried. I was out in the world, so I wasn't connected to Wi-Fi. This was over 3G. And uh, my phone had a hell of a time uh, trying to download um, the 17,000 um, song information uh, data from Apple's website. And it, that doesn't seem like a huge amount of metadata for it to download. So I'm not exactly sure why it took so incredibly long for uh, the uh, uh, the iPhone to actually get it. But once I did, you know, if I found an album that I wanted to, uh, um, to listen to, I would try to download it and nothing would happen. You know, oftentimes the stuff would, uh, would time out. I imagine that a lot of this has to do with my carrier. You know, I'm sure that AT&T is to blame here and that I was just I'm, – I'm probably complaining about stuff that, that is, is phone data related as opposed to iTunes match related. And remember, but, if anything goes wrong, it's always AT&T's fault. This is not Peter Cohen's fault. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Solar power. Solar power. Hand crank power. Hand crank power. Radio power. Radio power. The goods you want, the good deals you need to power up your survival are at 21stCenturyGoods.com. 
In our solar department, you'll find solar generator kits, solar lanterns, flashlights, radios, and solar cell phone and laptop chargers. 21stCenturyGoods.com is your hand crank headquarters for everything from generators to flashlights to emergency, weather, and shortwave radios by Grundig and Cato. Big brand names and big deals like this. Get a free solar flashlight with every order over $75. But hurry, offer ends soon. Go to 21stCenturyGoods.com, spelled the number 2, the number 1, stcenturygoods.com. That's 21stCenturyGoods.com or call 866-999-8422. 21stCenturyGoods.com. Power up your survival. Your life, your life, your life. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1 886 3653. That's 1 886 3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Did you know nuclear radiation is still spewing out of the melted-down reactors in Fukushima, Japan, and making its way across the entire U.S. continent, contaminating the air, water, and food? Dangerously high levels of radiation are a reality here. As a result, radiation poisoning is a distinct possibility for anyone living in the U.S., unless you do something to protect yourself. How? With Liquid Zeolite from RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Without a doubt, Liquid Zeolite is by far the best product to remove radiation from your body. It safely removes toxins. Toxins and heavy metals, boosts energy levels, and promotes a strong immune system. Liquid Zeolite is so powerful it was used to clean up contamination in Chernobyl, yet so gentle you won't even know you're taking it. Liquid Zeolite comes with a money-back guarantee, but is only available at RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Learn how to get free bottles of Liquid Zeolite by calling 800-880-9976. That's 800-880-9976. Or go to RestoreYourHealthNow.com. That's RestoreYourHealthNow.com. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. With Peter Cohen of the Angry Mac Bastards Radio Show, I'm the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. Peter is telling us, of course, how it's AT&T's fault that he's had problems, I'm joking, with iTunes Match. And if we didn't have a problem with AT&T, everything would be hunky-dory. You know, exactly. But all joking about AT&T aside, as many complaints as I do have about AT&T, iTunes Match underscores one thing for me, I think, that, that is, is kind of a consistent complaint that I've got about Apple. And I think that Apple really kind of lives in its own little universe when it comes to thinking about how people use data. I don't think that, that, that Apple is kind of lives in the same world that I do uh, when it comes to acknowledging that people are very bandwidth limited 
um, outside of blessed places like Silicon Valley. You know, we don't have cell towers every 50 feet. We don't have uh, – We don't? Indeed. Mm. We don't have ubiquitous connectivity. You know, it's – we deal with, with issues uh, with regards to access that I don't think that Apple really takes into account when it creates its cloud-based services. And all things being equal, Gene, I really don't think that Apple has as much of a good handle on how people use data in the cloud as, let's say, Google does. I really don't. I don't think that uh, – iCloud services, for example, are as robust um, or as 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 feature complete as they they probably need to be. Uh, the transition from mobile me to iCloud has been rocky. And here's another thing that really kind of irritates me as well: uh, when it comes to synchronizing um, app content on um, uh, uh, on iTunes, and I know I'm hopping around a bit. I hate the fact that although I've got uh, iTunes home sharing set up on five different computers in my house, I have to download data to each of those five computers to keep them in sync. So if I've got one single app that measures, let's say, 200 megabytes, which is not inconceivable, that's a gigabyte worth of data that I have to download from the Internet because Apple won't let me set up one machine to act as a relay for the other five, which makes my bandwidth bill spike every month. And if you're on metered service or if you've got some sort of bandwidth cap, as I do with my Internet service provider, you can get into dangerous territory pretty quick if you're trying to keep uh, apps from the App Store up to date. Apple just lives in a different universe than I do on a lot of this stuff. And the other thing I wanted to mention here with regard to that is that there are stories now that Apple may come out with a connected TV that will basically provide your TV content online. Now, think about the bandwidth. Right now, for example, your ISP is providing bandwidth and maybe or maybe not selling you their TV service, or maybe you're using satellite TV. But satellite TV is using satellites for bandwidth. What is Apple going to use? They're going to have to use your Internet pipes, and your Internet provider is going to say, wait a minute, either make a deal with us or we're going to have to cap our customers after a certain amount of data is used, and then we'll get them that way if we can't get them for cable TV. It's a very good point, too. You know, I just until Apple buys up all the you know cable companies and Internet service providers and stuff like that, I probably don't see they have enough money to do that, too. They probably the, could. At this point, right. I, I just don't see it getting any better. Right. This is going to be an issue. So if Apple's going to have a connected TV, how are they going to deliver the content to you? <sighs> Man, that's a really good question. And given the problems that Netflix has had with growth um, you know, and with, with, uh, with bandwidth and, and connectivity, I don't see it being any easier for Apple to deal with. That's a big question, too. If we look at Netflix... Netflix right now is probably shedding a ton of customers because their streaming service, if you like older content, it's good. If you want the latest and greatest, it's not there. If you want to rent your DVDs as you did before, with some titles, most titles, they have a 28-day window because of the various agreements that Hollywood has made. They can't release it the same day that the DVD goes to the stores or you get on-demand from iTunes or from your cable or satellite provider. Yep. So to be blunt about it, I cut down my service with Netflix to one DVD at a time. And I may just give it up altogether. The streaming I gave up on because I was just not using it. 
Yeah, I'm getting ready to actually get rid of my streaming as well. I haven't used it in weeks, if not months. And uh, I, I stopped having DVDs delivered to the house about a year ago. So what do you do? Do you just use On Demand or iTunes? I have a fairly robust cable package, so I watch a lot of content on demand or uh, record a lot of it on my TiVo. Um, for the rest of the stuff, you know, in some cases I actually buy physical media. You know, I'll buy Blu-rays now uh, for real big tentpole movies that I want to see that I know I want to watch over and over again. Um, it, and it, the, the thing that will clinch it for me is that I won't buy physical media unless I'm getting a digital copy as well. Yeah, that's another thing they do now with Blu-ray. They give you like a backup. DVD? Yeah, exactly. They, sure. they give you well, they, they'll they'll give you uh, a DVD, especially encoded DVD that will have an iTunes um, uh, redemption code on it that you know ch- that that sort of uh, checks with Apple to make sure that you're using a. a a, a legitimate iTunes account, and then it copies over the content from the DVD and unencrypts it and links it to uh, your iTunes account. That's a smart way to go, and, and that's worked out very well for me, especially when I'm buying movies for the kids that I know that they want to watch, because then they can watch the stuff on their computers or their iOS devices without bothering me, um, and stuff that we can stream to the Apple TV as well. So that's certainly been an augmentation. Uh, to our, our our home media collection, but you know, Gene, I have to say, just in the last six or seven months, almost all of the content that I've been watching on our television is episodic content, is um, series like Homeland and Dexter on Showtime or Boardwalk Empire. You'll be interested in knowing, by the way, that Dexter has been renewed for a seventh and eighth season. Woohoo! Everybody's favorite serial killer is going to come back and earn a lot more money to buy more cereal for himself. <laughs> right. I Tell people Michael what C. Homeland is about. We know what Dexter is about. Homeland is a very interesting show. Explain what it is. Homeland is actually based apparently on an Israeli TV series um, that I had never heard of um, before it, it came on the air. But it features Claire Danes of uh, My So-Called Life. And um, it, it tells the story of a CIA agent who uh, is convinced that she is on to um, a terrorist plot involving – um, a uh, re- returning POW. Um, and the, the, the show has many twists and turns. It's got a stellar cast, including Mandy Patankin, who is one of my absolute favorite actors ever. Um, and it, the, the, the writing is fantastic. Um, the, uh, uh, the production quality is, is stellar. And uh, the, the, the show has just been gripping from week to week to week. Absolutely fascinating stuff. And you don't know where it's going to go. Really surprising stuff. And if you can check out the repeats on Showtime, go check them out. I'm not going to tell you what the spoilers are, because I know I didn't watch the most recent episode, but I watched all the episodes up till then. And there are lots of spoilers. Really? And there's also there's also some nudity and foul language. So if that isn't your cup of tea, please stay away from it. But um, uh, it's a very gripping show. It's an adult drama. Um uh, but it, it is it is fantastic television, really good, high-quality stuff. And, you know, that alone, Gene, is, is enough to make me subscribe to a premium channel. I'll be happy to give the cable company an extra $10 a month to have a service like Showtime uh, on my television to watch stuff like that. To be honest with you, watching retread feature films that were released in, in theaters six months ago 
not that compelling uh, an option for me. But watching really, really good episodic dramas or really good um, uh, 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 sitcoms that, that would never get played on, uh, on, on, on broadcast television, that's enough to make me pay for it. There's also you know, a very good spy drama that's on Cinemax called Strike Back. Yeah, yeah, I like that show. Okay, and this is an edgy spy drama. The only thing about it is the theme song is reminiscent of the theme song of a USA TV show called Covert Affairs, which was created by a couple of the producers of some of the Bourne films, which has great action, though, too. It's a lighter weight spy drama on USA Network, Covert Affairs. But like I said, the nice thing about it is the action scenes, when they do the action scenes, they're incredible, and they are sometimes reminiscent of Bourne because the same guys are involved. And what's wrong with that? I mean, the Bourne stuff is fantastic, fun fun stuff to watch. So um, you you got to love that stuff. Except they're going to reboot Bourne, but not with Matt Damon, who made the whole series work. You know, this is almost getting to be a completely different show. But tell our listeners, Peter <laughs> Cohen, where we can find more of your stuff. Of course. Um, you can read uh, what I write at The Loop, loopinsight.com. And uh, if some off-color commentary is more your speed, you're welcome to listen to my podcast, which I host with two other folks at angrymacbastards.com. Peter Cohen, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Gene, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So Kirk McElhern, author and raconteur from the Alps of France, tell us why can't you match iTunes Match? Or would you rather light a match on iTunes Match? Complicated story, but it comes down to a pretty simple thing. It's just a number. iTunes Match says that you can use the service with fewer than 25,000 tracks. But if you have more than 25,000, they say, we don't want you coming into our store and messing things up. And they don't even let you, for example, go through your library and choose which tracks are going to get matched. They just say, you're out of here. Go away. So I have been matching on my second computer, which is a laptop, which has a very small library, but my main music library has something like 80,000 tracks, and so I just basically got turned away at the door. You know, like when you go to one of these nightclubs or something and you're not on the list, it's like, boom. Isn't that screwy? You'd think 
they would say you have a limit of 25,000 songs. Feel free to upload up to that number. That's what I would think. That would and be it, logical. And in particular, that the kind of people who have music like me are the real music fans who are really going to appreciate a service like this, which is going to let you synchronize your library and have it on different devices and all. But they don't want my kind in their sort of playground. You are unacceptable. I'm unacceptable, and I'm used to it. The problem is that some people have – I wrote I wrote a Macworld article about this, and that's what you're referring to. And some people have commented, well, it's a beta. It's not a beta. It's actually an official release. And then others have said, well, it's a 1.0 release. And you know, people are saying maybe Apple will do something in the future. But turning away the sort of core music fan doesn't seem like the best way to start with a service like this. Now, well, granted, why can't they just say, okay, you got – more than 25,000 songs, up to 50,000, make it $50. It's not even a question of paying more. It's a question of saying you can't come in, period. What, right. what right. I suggested in my article is that they should just have an option someplace, a little checkbox, the way you check a number of different options in iTunes for your music, and that you choose which songs get matched and which don't. A number of people have commented on my post on Macro, and several of the people are people who are involved in audio engineering. So they may have a lot of sound effects tracks or tones and sounds and things like that. Literally thousands or maybe even 10 or 20,000 of them. So these people are seeing that they've got to get this stuff out of their library. They didn't want to match those particular things in the first place. But it's just saying to them, your use of music doesn't fit with ours, so we don't want you to play. Now, let's be fair. I think the majority of people are in the five to 10,000 track range, at least the majority who are going to want to pay for this service. I don't deny that I'm part of a minority, but this is a minority of people who buy a lot of music, who buy a lot of iPods. Uh, I know a lot of people, particularly classical music collectors, who have libraries much bigger than mine, 100, 200,000 tracks. Complicated systems where they use a Mac Mini as a sort of a media center and airport devices to stream to different rooms and stereos. These are Apple's real big supporters as far as music is concerned. Is it a matter of the contracts that they reached with the music companies, or is it a matter that Apple is trying to keep it so simple they give up on the ragged edges? Well, if Apple were trying to keep it simple, they should have done something else because this is not a very simple service to understand. It's very possible it's got something to do with the record companies, but what do they care if you put all of your tracks or only choose up to 25,000 tracks from your library? What difference does it make to the record companies? It shouldn't. No, that's it shouldn't. Maybe they're just assuming that anyone with more than 25,000 tracks is a thief. I don't know. I got two box sets, 21 CDs, so roughly, what, 10 tracks on a CD? You know, so that's another 200 tracks right there. I've got thousands of CDs. I've mentioned here in the past I review classical CDs. I've got some very big box sets, and, you know, I've got music that I've been collecting for decades. People who really collect music, it's not a surprising number. And a number of people commented in, in my post that, yeah, you know, if I look at my collection and, you know, buy 10 or 20 or 30 CDs a year and multiply that by 20 years or whatever, real music fans are going to have big music libraries without being thieves. Well, maybe Apple will in version 2.0 accommodate that percentage. I mean, we can't guess how many fit into this category of unacceptable people for iTunes Match. We can't. And as I said, it's a minority. Some years ago, Apple had done a survey with the number of tracks that people had in their iTunes library 
and basically they were determining what the sweet spot was for iPod capacity. And I think they came to around two or 3,000. Now, this is assuming that the majority of people are not music fans. Anyone with that little music is someone who buys an occasional CD, buys a handful of songs from the iTunes store and Amazon and, and others, but are not people who are really into music. So if you don't have 50,000 songs, you're not into music? I think that people who are really into music or are real fans are going to have more than that. I mean, several of my Macworld colleagues have libraries that are well over the limit. One of my colleagues is a, is a live music fan, and there's a lot of live music that you can download legally that bands let people trade recordings and all that. And he has 35,000 tracks, and, and another one is someone who's around my age and who's been collecting for 30 years and has you know, the same or if not more music. So a lot of it is age. Obviously, if you're 20 years old, you're not going to have that much. You're not going to have been collecting music for as long a time. As you get older, you have more time to accumulate this stuff. So th there are a lot of variables, but it just doesn't seem fair that they just shut you out rather than say, hey, you can't use all your tracks. You've got to do this now to be able to match your stuff. Sounds to me like they would have to change the programming on their servers to allow for this exception. So maybe something like that will happen. We sure hope it does. Gene, this is Apple. Change the programming? Okay, so they add a setting. They add a tag, and they tell you that you've got to check this little checkbox to put the stuff up on iTunes Match. What more do they need? They've just got a flag that says this track gets matched and this doesn't. It's just a Boolean tag, one and zero. It's not complicated. No, I assume it isn't. It's just a matter of deploying it over a million servers, whatever they have. The other thing is here that was curious about iTunes Match, and since you haven't used it, you can't test this out, and that is in your experience yeah. with iTunes Match. Did you find situations where you put an album in there? And I gather this is a frequent problem where, say, the album has 14 songs. It matches 12 songs and the other two are uploaded. Why? Yeah, I can't figure this out. And I, and I wrote a post on my blog about this. What happened was there's a record label that I've done some work for in the UK, Hyperion Records, their independent classical label. They asked me if I could try some things with a couple of albums of theirs and see how they matched. I used two albums. One is an album which, as in the state it is, is sold as an album. And the other is a sort of a compilation of stuff from different albums. The former is sold on the iTunes store and the latter is not, but the different albums from which it's a compilation are all sold on the iTunes store. So the songs, the individual songs... The individual I, songs are there. In sure. the first case, out of 14 tracks, two didn't match. And this is an album that's actually sold quite well on the iTunes store. In the second case, out of 20 tracks, a half a dozen, seven or eight, I'm looking at my screenshot, eight of them didn't match. And these, again, are all tracks that are available on other albums. And I've done certain albums where a single track won't match, even though it's an album that I know is up there. And even things that I have purchased from the iTunes store are showing up as not matching entirely. Now, I'll uh, give you it, one example here, for example. Let's take a look at Abbey Road by The Beatles. She came in through the bathroom window. Yes. Why? Lex Friedman at Macworld did a test on Twitter. Right. Asked exactly. people if it, if it matched for him. I was the only person for whom it did match. I tried my copy of Abbey Road, which was from the latest box set remastered editions, and it matched. All the tracks matched for me from that album. I used the 1980s CD. Right. I got matches except for she came in through the bathroom window. Revolver, no problem. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the opening song, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, was uploaded. The Best of Blondie, a song called Sunday Girl, 
and a song called Atomic were not matched. Right. I see no logic, and, I, and I've seen this on a number of albums, where, as you say, one or two tracks don't get matched. And you need to understand that these aren't matching because of the tags that are describing the music. It's not the name and the, the name of the artist and the album name. What it's doing is some sort of digital fingerprinting by which it actually analyzes the data that creates the music and matches that to a database. So it's not a question of you spelling the name of a track wrong or something like that. If you take your Beatles tracks that did match and you change all the tags on them and try again, you'll find they're still going to match, but they won't tell you that they're Beatles tracks. I mean, the, the iTunes match is not going to come back to you and say, we've matched these tracks and here's what they're called. It's going to keep your tags. And uh, I tried with another record from this label, Hyperion Records, that had no tags. It simply had their catalog number and a track number as the title tracks. There was no artist, no album name or anything. And about three quarters of them matched. So iTunes match is not looking at the name, the spelling or anything like this. It's actually looking at the sound of the track and depending on how you ripped it at what bit rate. We're talking to Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockaway, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Gold, it's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. If you're a man over 40, you may feel like half the man you used to be. Are you gaining more body fat? Are you feeling tired? Are you losing your sex drive? It's not your fault. After 40, your body's testosterone may start dropping. And if you are an African-American man, you're at a higher risk of your testosterone turning into estrogen. Be the man you used to be. Call for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male, a natural supplement shown to raise testosterone by 61% and maintain healthy, normal levels. 
You can feel the youthful energy and the healthy sex drive you once had. And Ageless Male is all natural. No injections or appointments. Just one quick phone call. Get your risk-free trial of Ageless Male. Call 1-800-497-8345. That's 1-800-497-8345. With Ageless Male, you can raise your testosterone naturally by 61%. Call 1-800-497-8345. That's 1-800-497-8345. Attention GCN listeners, do you have a Patriot on your Christmas list that's nearly impossible to shop for? How would you like the ability to get top-of-the-line, hard-to-find gifts at equally hard-to-beat prices without leaving the comfort of your home? Why fight the crowd? Simply log on to your computer for great gifts and deals for the -the off-the-grid enthusiast in your family. At offthegridchristmas.com, you'll find great prices on the most popular off-the-grid gifts available today. At offthegridchristmas.com, you'll find unbeatable deals on emergency backup power, herb and vegetable seeds, dehydrated foods, emergency evacuation packs, solar ovens, gun safes, and a host of truly unique stocking stuffers. In these hard times, why not give a gift that really counts, a gift that could truly make a difference? Go to offthegridchristmas.com and our Christmas video highlighting perfect gifts for the -the off-the-grid fans in your family. Unbeatable gear, unbeatable prices, no more searching. Offthegridchristmas.com, that's offthegridchristmas.com. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. With Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Out Live, we're trying to figure out why iTunes match matches sometimes and doesn't other times. Now, you'd think, though, that one physical album, which is being ripped at whatever the normal capture speed is, and I assume it's 256K. Okay, but that no, doesn't matter. Right. That doesn't even matter. The, the way it's ripped, when you ripped it, which program you ripped it with, these don't matter. They shouldn't matter. No, I um, just... Even if you ripped it with a different program and it's an MP3 that you got from, I don't know, Sound Jam or Windows Media Player, that shouldn't matter. The music is what's being detected. It's a, it's a complex process where they can actually create what's called a digital fingerprint of music and they'll listen to a certain number a certain length of a track in order to be able to match it with a database this isn't new apple didn't invent this they're licensing i'm pretty sure they're licensing technology from grace note which is the company that provides the tag information when you rip cds okay the question i would gather then is maybe the database is still a little bit imperfect. This shouldn't be the case. As you said, you've got an entire album that's matching except for one or two tracks. The album itself, all the tracks are there. The number of non-matches is way too high to assume that it's a problem with the database. I mean, can you imagine a database being, let's say, generating 10% errors? And, And this is what I've seen on average. That's right. Uh, so th- where this- is the source of the error? Obviously, there's a problem because, in theory, if you take a standard commercial album and you pop it into your Mac and iTunes rips or even your PC, it should be able to match all those songs if they're available in the iTunes library. We know that She Came In Through the Bathroom Window is available in the iTunes library. Yeah. And on top of that, there's another thing that is probably used in addition to the digital fingerprinting it's a particular album id this when you rip a track in itunes 
um, each track stores this album ID. And, and this is how iTunes lets you go back at some other time after you've ripped tracks to either download artwork or check for, for tag information about the tracks. Now, this album ID is a sort of a checksum, which is made by looking at all the entire length of the CD, the number of what's called frames on, on a given CD, how far apart they are, how long they are and all this. And it's a pretty unique thing. It's pretty rare to have what's called a collision where you have two uh, IDs that are the same. So any tracks that you've ripped with iTunes already have this information in it. I'm guessing that they don't even need to go through the digital fingerprint process for those types of tracks. My but how can Dizzy Miss Lizzie not be matched? <laughs> and she came in through the bathroom window. I mean, in my case, these were, you know, the, the Beatles stuff is all stuff I ripped from CDs with iTunes. So they've got the album ID. These are songs that are not obscure songs. They're songs that are sold on the iTunes store. So I, I don't know. I'm just perplexed. I'm perplexed. So, you know, I kind of think here there are some glitches in the system. And that's it. It's obvious that there's glitches. And what I wonder is, will the system at some point correct this? and tell you, hey, instead of that uploaded track, um, we found the right one. Well, I kind of think that maybe all you have to do is go to the store menu and choose update iTunes match periodically, and eventually it'll get the message and update the information with the proper references. That's all. It's possible. You know, this, this has only been a week, so you know, we really don't know what's going to happen over a longer period of time. Just as if they might decide that Kirk McElhern deserves a break and should be allowed to either include part of his huge music library or buy more storage, just like you can buy more storage for iCloud. You, know, you don't yeah, want 5 again, gigabytes, buy 40. If you don't want 25,000 songs, buy 50, buy 75,000. But it's not even a question of wanting to buy more because I have no need to put all of that music onto iCloud. I would just as soon be able to select what goes onto iCloud because I'm never going to want you know, all of it, I've got a very vast collection. I wouldn't mind picking out a core library and putting it on iCloud. The thing is, I don't want to make a new iTunes library and remove stuff because I've got all sorts of, um, you know, how many times I've listened to things and when I've listened to them. And this is information that I find useful to have. Speaking of iTunes, there's a story at your site, McElhern.com. Kirkville. Really? Me? Yes. Yeah. You're the guy. I have a story. You have a story. Mac well, OS, tell. yes, I will tell. Mac OS ten lion freezes. Is iTunes the culprit? Speak to me. We've beaten this horse to death about my iMac, and so I finally replaced it with a new Mac Mini, and I've started getting freezes as well. Um, one freeze was a video freeze, and I got the same sort of GPU debug debug info in a console log. And then another freeze I had today um, was kind of weird because I got some messages that have to do with iTunes, which basically seem to involve Wi-Fi syncing and, and checking for the devices that I have set to sync by Wi-Fi. I'm get, I've gotten some comments from people who think these messages are normal. I think I'm going to try turning off the Wi-Fi syncing for a while and see if this resolves it. But these freezes did happen with two different types of of, of information in the log. One was definitely a video card problem. And the second, there is no video freeze information. In fact, the second one, I was able to connect to my Mac via terminal with an SSH connection, and it was still active. And after about seven minutes, it unfroze. Whereas with the video freezes I, that we talked about in the past on the iMac, 
it just stayed frozen and you had to do a force restart. So I'm perplexed, but I'm just like totally fed up. I mean, you know, Apple, come on. Give me a break. Let me just have a Mac that works for a while. Hmm. Now you're smoking iMac. That's basically been traded in and sold to somebody else now? Yeah. I, Apple told me that they can't find a problem, and I've – it's it's not sold yet, but I have a guy who's local who sells computers, and we agreed that as long as he sells it to someone who's not going to be doing stuff like converting videos, you know, high processor intensive stuff, he sees no problem with it either. Now the warranty uh, is transferable. The warranty is transferable, and I buy Apple Care for all my Macs, and so you know the the buyer will be able to either keep the Apple Care or not, because if not, I can get a refund for the for the difference. But they can know that they can have you know uh, a, as it is. The remaining eight, seven or eight months on the initial warranty plus Apple Care if they want. So in this particular case here, maybe if they think it's a problem or worth checking, they could deal with Apple and you don't have to worry about it. Right, but again, we 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 both agree this other this person this well he's basically a Mac consultant. We both agree that he'll sell it to someone who just needs it for you know basic work and who isn't going to really push the processor. And they'll be notified that there is an issue. Yep. Okay, well, that's yeah. pretty good. Not going to so, hide anything. No, so she not. bought Kirk's computer in France. Okay, you know the problem, so we assume the dealer is doing the right thing. Okay, so you get a new Mac Mini. Is this the basic Mac Mini, the loaded Mac Mini? What did you get? This is the top-of-the-line Mac Mini, Gene. And I have made a decision that I will never go back to a mechanical hard drive for a boot drive again. Um, I, I've been using SSDs on, on the MacBook Air for pretty much four years because I got the very first model um, with an SSD when it came out in 2008. Yeah, it's a long time ago. And so I got the SSD on the Mac Mini, and it's just faster and snappier, and reboots take a few seconds and all that. And I put um, the i7 processor in it. I I don't know if that's going to make a difference as much. some people said it would. You know, it's not a a, a big expense. You know what? We have to prepare for this expense. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Hi friends, this is Jeremiah from Zeobit, the makers of MacKeeper. MacKeeper is a bundled software of 16 of the most important system utilities all located in one place. It's a really powerful and cool application that includes anti-theft, antivirus, data encryption, you can undelete files, back up your data, and so much more. We offer lifetime customer support with every license, and we really do care about you and your Mac. For more information, check us out at MacKeeper.com. Once again, that's MacKeeper.com. Discover a natural way to experience cleaner, healthier indoor air without expensive filters and high-priced machines. Discover what healthcare professionals have known for decades. Salt ionizes and purifies indoor air. 
That's why you need to visit SilverSkyImports.com. SilverSkyImports.com offers a wide assortment of Himalayan crystal salt lamps, handcrafted from salt crystals that are millions of years old, contain healthy ions that eliminate odor, reduce bacteria, and can even help allergy and asthma sufferers, which means you and your family will breathe better, sleep sounder, and have more energy. These salt lamps are available in stunning, natural colors and shapes to accent any home or office, are environmentally friendly, and best of all, they're affordable. And don't forget, SilverSkyImports.com also carries gourmet and bath salts. Order today at SilverSkyImports.com or call 800-494-1369. That's 800-494-1369. Breathe easier, feel better, live healthier at SilverSkyImports.com. Warning, this content is powerful and may cause others to reject your knowledge. If you want to know what happened to America, if you like cutting-edge information, if you need to convince someone that something different than what they believe is actually taking place, and to experience the true history of America you won't find anywhere else, get the new book, Satan's Show. Satan's Show is a hard-hitting look at what many know as the Antichrist and proof of a mind-control agenda. Learn how America was tricked into entering World War I and get over nine hours of audio and over 700 reliable web links. Satan's Show is available in ebook and audio downloads. Click the special offer for $14.99 and you'll receive both, plus Operation Northwoods on audio free with purchase. Download today at satanshow.com. You will be shocked. You will be amazed. Satanshow.com. Jason Lewis here with the holidays just around the corner. Be sure to consider the greatest gift you can give to your friends and family peace of mind. That's why I choose wisefoodstorage.com. Wisefoodstorage.com offers delicious ready-made meals like cheesy lasagna, savory stroganoff, and pasta alfredo that are packaged for freshness in individual metal mylar pouches and carry a 25-year shelf life. And they're ready to eat in minutes. Simply add hot water. Request a free entree sample today at wisefoodstorage.com and for a limited time, get free shipping and 10% off of your order. That's right, a free entree free shipping and 10% off any order. Just use promo code LEWIS, call 855-FOODWISE, that's 855-366-3947, or visit wisefoodstorage.com, that's wise, W-I-S-E, foodstorage.com. Gourmet emergency food at the best price, and the greatest gift you can give to the ones you love this holiday season. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. With Kirk McElhern, author and raconteur, we're covering first with iTunes Match and the fact that he can't join because he has his big music library, at least on the computer that has it. He can obviously get a lesser account. He gets a new loaded Mac Mini. How big is the hard drive on it? I got the SS, the 256-gig SSD plus the 750-gig regular 7200 RPM hard drive. So I use the SSD to boot, and I put my music collection on the 750. Yeah, I was thinking there, of if I obviously strike gold, to get a 27-inch iMac with the best processor and RAM, and they give you a 256-gigabyte SSD, and then you get up to a two-terabyte standard hard drive. Same thing. You put your apps and your basic system stuff on the internal thing. But then if you want to make 
a clone or duplicate backup, you just make the backup of the SSD and maybe have a second drive for the backup of the rest? What do you do? Yeah, I have a couple of external hard drives. I have one to back up my music collection um, because it is valuable. Um, and I have another one for standard backups, which is partitioned into one partition to do clones of the boot volume, uh, another one for sort of daily backups of my documents folder, and another one for Time Machine. Now, it's true that I'm entrusting on a single hard disk three different backups, but I make backups of that drive once a week, and I make backups of the external music drive once a week, and I put them in a safe in my basement. Another hard drive backs up my music collection, and then I have two other sets of external drives, of internal drives, sorry, that I um, back up using a drive dock, and I switch every week um, and put them in a safe in the basement. So I'm a belt and suspenders guy when it comes to backups. Okay, and obviously you're getting incredible performance here. And isn't it interesting how much of your user experience depends on the performance of the hard drive? But this with a 256-gigabyte drive, you spend quite a bit on this Mac Mini. It costs a lot, um, and it probably costs more than what I need to spend. But I'm tired of, you know, using the SSD on the MacBook Air showed me how much better it is. And Technically, the Mac Mini is slower than an iMac or even a Mac Pro, I guess. And so the SSD kind of compensates for that. Um, it's incredibly quiet. While, while I would hear the noise from the iMac, um, the uh, the Mac Mini basically makes no noise at all. It's not right in front of me like the iMac was. And the fan does go on every once in a while if I'm doing something intensive like copying a lot of files but there are just so many advantages um to doing this and yes it's very expensive i'll Apple tell you what i priced it out ladies and gentlemen okay tell me if this is what you have okay this is a mac mini with a 2.7 gigahertz dual core intel core i7 right eight gigabytes of ram no 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 i got it with four and i had bought extra ram for the imac that i put in so i do have eight but i didn't pay apple's price for the eight all right so you save maybe instead of two hundred dollars you save a hundred dollars over that maybe from the difference in price then you get a 750 gigabyte serial ata drive and a 256 gigabyte solid state drive right okay so we're talking about 1749 dollars for a mac mini it's a heck of a lot of money yeah and remember i'm paying in euros um, and the exchange rate isn't beneficial to us. So, yeah, it's it's steep. It's very steep. Um, again, as I said, I'm just tired of, you know, worrying about 100 bucks here or there for a computer, which is my main tool. You know, it's how I make a living. And in this case here, I bet with that processor, you're getting, what, 80 or 90% of the performance of the iMac. Well, Macworld did some testing, and it was pretty close to the iMac, and the iMac was better for some things, um, but the Mac Mini was up there for a lot of other things. Now, I don't use processor-intensive stuff much, um, but when I've been ripping CDs or converting music files to do some testing, it was way it was up there with the same sort of speeds I was getting with the iMac. Um, so, yeah, it's you know, it's expensive. It's the SSD that makes it expensive. And to be honest, I could have bought the base model and switched the SSD on my own, but I didn't want the hassle of changing the hard disk, which 
it's not that hard, but it's not that simple. And if there's a problem, you got to take it out if the computer's going back to Apple because while changing it doesn't void the warranty, they won't do anything if you've got your own hard disk in it. Um, just in terms of you know hassle and headaches and all that, I felt it was easier to, to pay the extortionate price that Apple charges for the SSD, but to get the quality that Apple gives you because uh, from what I understand, the SSDs that they use are among the best ones available. And if you look at and, and price SSDs today, you look at any website for, for any place that sells them, you'll see a whole range of prices and resulting performance um, at a given size. And I think Apple's SSDs are really at the top of the, uh, the, top of the range all the time. I know you can take an iMac and load it up and get the price of $3,649. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. All you do is you add 3.4 gigahertz quad-core Intel i7, 16 gigabytes of RAM, and you can get that RAM for maybe $300 less if you buy it separately, a 2-terabyte ATA drive and a 256-gigabyte solid-state drive, and the top-line ATI Radeon HD 6970M, 2 gigabytes of memory. You know, great gaming performance. 3649 going to really give a Mac Pro a run for its money. It's probably faster than the Mac Pro because the Mac Pro hasn't been updated in a while. But the, the one thing that I wouldn't do is to buy the RAM from Apple. It's just way too expensive. And that's something that you can... St- switch really easily um it's a it's a little sort of a, a screen you unscrew on the bottom of the below the screen on the imac um on the mac mini you there's a round plastic like a cap and you turn it and you pull out the ram and you put it in it's very easy to change um so that definitely you can avoid spending that but yeah you can you can spend a lot and i have a friend who every time there's a Mac Pro update. He'll go through the whole thing and he'll pick the the fastest, most expensive, and max it out just to show, you know, how much you can actually spend on a computer. And this is like he'll avoid things like the RAID card. But you know, I'm just looking at it now. If you check off, let's see, 512 gig SSDs, four of them. So let's put the RAID card and let's put a, a second optical drive and fiber channel. We can leave that out because no one uses that. That's fifteen thousand dollars. Do you realize that? I mean, that's the cost of a car. And you have to think here, there are arguments now as to whether Apple will ever update the Mac Pro. And the reason they haven't done now is because the fact that Intel hasn't upgraded the Xeon processors with a major update and won't until the first quarter of 2012. Then the question will be, will Apple do it? There are reports that Apple's moving, what, 75,000 Mac Pros every quarter. Now, you don't think that's a lot, but if you're selling computers with a starting price of $2,500 going up to $15,000, you bet that Apple's making a lot of money off those boxes. Yeah. My my guess is that people who are buying and really need that sort of stuff, they're going to buy the SSDs on their own. They're going to buy the RAM on their own. They're not going to pay Apple for RAM. I mean, we're talking $3,400 to get from the standard 8 gigs up to 64 gigs. You can get it for a lot cheaper anyplace else. So anyone who's going to buy it from Apple is going to maybe, I don't know, you, you know, you can go up to five thousand easily to get the the fastest processor. The what is it, a twelve core processor? Yes, um, sure. But the, the RAM and the hard drives, the SSDs, you know, people aren't going to do that. So I, I think the only people buying Mac Pros now are people who actually use them for what they're designed 
you know, as workstations, not as computers. Um, when I bought one, what was it, 2004, when the first Mac Pro came out, it was the, the sort of, you know, extension from the previous G5 um, tower. And it's gotten to the point now where the number of options, I mean, you can go from a quad core to two six core processors in the Mac Pro. Now, just remember, um, by the way, it was 2006, the summer of 2006, when the first Mac Pro came out. But the other issue here, of course, is that over time you're going to see 6 and 12 core processors in desktop versions. We're talking to Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. What happened, man? You used to be energetic, happy, and wow, did the ladies love you. Now, you fall asleep on the couch, irritable, and out of shape. Don't be that guy. Call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male, a natural supplement shown to raise testosterone by 50% and maintain healthy, normal levels. No injections, no appointments. With healthy testosterone levels, you can feel that energy again, that great outlook again, and yes, even a healthy sex drive. Right now, you can try Ageless Male risk-free. There's nothing to lose, guys. If you're a man who's noticed changes in your body, your mood, your sex life, call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male. Be the guy you used to be. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Don't wait another day. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Again, 1-888-246-0623. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey water filtration systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. 
Whatever winter activity you enjoy, from snowmobiling, snowshoeing, skiing, or camping, there's inherent danger that you may find yourself having to stay warm. Be ready with InstaFire, a revolutionary, safe, simple, and versatile fire starter. InstaFire is a patented blend of volcanic rock, wood pellets, and paraffin wax that gets a fire blazing in just minutes. InstaFire is self-sustaining fire that starts right on top of snow or water and even burns wet wood. Sound incredible? It is. Check it out at InstaFire.com, a must for any outdoor winter activity. InstaFire easily lights with matches or flintlock lighters, is environmentally friendly, stores easy, is lightweight, comes in a variety of sizes, and starts at a buck twenty-five for a single pack or only $59.95 for a five-gallon pail with free shipping. Go to InstaFire.com, spelled I-N-S-T-A-Fire.com, or call 888-482-4868. That's 888-482-4868. Safe, simple, versatile. InstaFire. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. On the Tech Night Out Live, we are exploring the possible future or lack of future of a Mac Pro. Now, we know Apple gave up the XServe yep. because I guess they weren't selling enough. With the Mac Pro, this is a prestigious product. There are customers who will not, under any circumstances, accept a Mac Mini or accept an iMac, even the iMac filled to the gills with RAM. Maybe they'll get a 6 or 12 core processor in there. They still won't take it. Well, the, the Mac Pro does, of course, have one advantage over all the other Macs. It's the only one in which you can put a PCI card. And there's people who may be having RAID or maybe use RAID sure, or Fiber Sure, but channel. you have Thunderbolt. They're going to have breakout boxes. But do we don't have thing. any of that yet. We don't have any of that yet. Well, soon, the, the number soon. of Thunderbolt devices available is roughly the number of fingers on one of my hands. Um, the Oasi did their little big disc. And there's another company, Pegasus, that has some RAID devices. But that's it. So for now, we haven't seen it. And I don't know how long it's going to take for us to see it and whether – I mean, you can't – you can put a graphics card in a PCI slot if you want a specific graphics card. But I don't know about how many of these other things will end up being Thunderbolt devices because it seems that the, the cost of the Thunderbolt circuitry is very expensive. Right, but inasmuch as Apple has basically all the other models with Thunderbolt, you have to think that in some circumstances – it will be a substitute, not every circumstance. No, there are certainly, and for storage in particular, I think that's the, the main place we're going to see it being used. Storage and displays, um, other input devices, uh, I can't see you needing it for a scanner because even USB is probably fast enough. Um, what sort of other devices would you need it for? Would an audio, audio capture cards, maybe. There are a lot of different yeah. cards for the Mac Pro that you don't think of. But if you had a properly designed breakout box, supposedly with the right drivers, it would work on, as they say, a standard desktop Mac or a Mac Right. Portable. So, so audio and or video might be, you know, inputs, audio or video inputs might be something that could go through Thunderbolt. But other than that, there's not a lot of stuff. Of course, there's not a lot of stuff that you need on PCI anymore either, other than video cards and RAID cards. And I guess you could get rid of the RAID because that could be Thunderbolt. Fiber Channel could probably be Thunderbolt as well. So, you know, it, it's a tough call. A Apple has clearly um, put their money on the Mac Mini as a server. Now, you can, of course, buy a Mac Pro and put all the RAM and hard disks you want and install Mac OS X server, but they don't sell it that way. They don't give you the option. Well, 
you can't buy macOS server um, other than through the iTunes store. So the only one that they give you that comes with it is the Mac Mini server. And by the way, here's an interesting thing here, too. A lot of people ragged on Apple for making Mac OS 10.7 available basically strictly online, although there's this USB stick version. Guess what Microsoft is going to do with Windows 8? Yeah, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to keep copying Apple. But you know there's an interesting issue now. Whatever model you have, it doesn't matter what kind of Mac you have. They're now beginning to accept the fact that the Mac and the iPad are both personal computers. And you add them together, Apple is, what, number two in the worldwide PC market, and next year probably number one ahead of HP. Yeah, I I guess... It kind of makes sense back in the day a computer was considered to be something that needed an air conditioner. Um, so it makes sense to change the definition of computer to something that can do the standard things we do with computers. I mean, you know, your email and your word processing and your web browsing and all that, you can do them with an iPad. So I don't see any reason to not call them computers. Strictly on a function basis, you have to. Yeah, they do the same things and they do Lots them. the same things. Well, there's not much – okay, there's a lot of things you can't do. There's a lot of software you can't use. But for the majority of people, they do exactly the same things. And offices are now giving out iPads instead of notebook computers in many in the settings because they don't need them. You know, you want to send an email, the iPad. You want something that's really totally portable, easy to carry, use the iPad. And better battery life, too. Compare it to pretty much any laptop, um, the iPad has much better battery life. And you think the 9.7-inch screen is not enough. Well, look at the PowerBooks. How many years did we have PowerBooks with a screen below 10 inches? Not only below 10 inches, but look at the resolution. My first Mac was a PowerBook 100, and I think it was a 640 by 480 resolution. Exactly. And that is, what, um, one-sixteenth of my current 27-inch display. Exactly. Exactly. We've come a long way, haven't we? It's been 20 years, in fact. It's just around this time, 20 years ago, that I bought my first Mac. And think of it this way, too. There's a published report, a number of published reports, indicating that Apple is looking into some sort of retina display, like double the resolution of the display of the iPad. So the iPad 3 may be the first model that has that enhanced resolution display. It's not that anything's going to be smaller. It's going to be sharper. Yeah, I think it actually needs it. Um, I've been reading um, a, a book on the iPad, Stephen King's 112263. And every time I read a book on the iPad, you know, I, you can see the jaggies around the, the fonts. Um, when I look at my iPod Touch with the retina display, you know, there's such a difference. Now, it may not need, need the same resolution as the iPod Touch, but if they could double the resolution, that would, be, that would make a big difference for readability. And now, of course, we have the Amazon Kindle Fire and the published reports, including review from one of the friends of the show, Daniel Aaron Dilger in Apple Insider. He said that it's pretty fuzzy. You know, it's not as crisp as an iPad and certainly a lot fuzzier than a regular Kindle. Do you have a Kindle? I have a Kindle, and I bought one. I bought one of the latest ones when they, what was it, a couple months ago, when they came out with the new ones, and I bought the cheapest model, um, just basically because I wanted to have a Kindle to better understand it. Now, my eyesight isn't great, and I have a real problem reading um, with the contrast on the Kindle screen, you know, black against gray. It's nowhere near white like on an iPad. Um, While I really appreciate how light it is and the battery life, 
I really need a lot of light to be able to read comfortably. And I actually don't use it very much. When I first got it for a few weeks, I read several books. And since then, I really haven't picked it up. I should do so soon just to try it out. I know I tried some of the older ebook readers, like the Rocket ebook reader from the 1990s. I think I lasted about four pages. Yeah, those were kind of, you know, they were poor screens. The, the screens were kind of like what you had on a Palm Pilot back in the day. So they were small and by all means, nowhere near as sharp as even the iPad. The, the whole process was different. I, I really liked the iPad for reading. Of course, reading outdoors isn't ideal with the iPad, and that's where the Kindle does better. Um, I really hope somehow they can merge these two technologies so you can do both with the same device, both being in bright light outdoors where the iPad fails and being, you know, indoors where the iPad is great because you can just adjust the brightness to wherever you are and you don't need a, a, a powerful reading lamp to be able to read it. Well, of course, this is early technology. The question is here, is this Kindle Fire, which I guess in some ways is based on the internal design of the failed RIM BlackBerry Playbook in terms of processor and everything, whether people are going to like it because the early reports are that the interface is sluggish and a little bit ragged and the touch doesn't always you know, do anything. Will people accept a subpar device because it's well, cheaper? I, I think that I think there's an important thing to realize is that people who are buying the Kindle Fire are not the same people who would buy the iPad. I think these are people who are upgrading from an e-ink Kindle, so one without a backlight, and they're buying this mostly for reading, and they don't care as much as all the tech commenters and reviewers about putting Android apps on them and the speed of the processor and web browsing. Um, I think for $200 to have a backlit reading device that is lighter than the iPad, I think, um, I think this is a pretty good deal. Of course, I haven't seen one. I'm just judging from you know what I'm seeing on, on the web on Amazon's website. Um, but again, I think the target demographic is not the same. Well, I'm going to see how that works. I think also... Part of it is that people who can't afford an iPad may want to look at an alternative, and maybe the other alternatives weren't suitable, but they think, you know, Amazon's got to be good, and they'll try it. But then again, as I said, if there are bugs in the interface, you're going to say, forget about this, I'll just send it back. Well, you have that option. Um, again, it's a device that's designed to work with Amazon content. So it's very possible that it works well with all of Amazon stuff, you know, if you're a, what is it, Amazon Prime and you get free movies and things like that and all of the music that you bought from Amazon, um, if it doesn't work as well for games and apps, I think that's really the secondary usage compared to, you know, compared to the way people were going to buy iPads. Kirk McElhern, where do we find more of your stuff? As usual, com. that's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com, and Macworld, where I regularly contribute all sorts of stuff. And lately he's been heavy-duty rant mode, but that's how things work. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. Glad to be here again. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. 
Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. With John Mortararo, he's from the Mac Observer, MacObserver.com. He covers a whole range of stuff, and later on we're going to talk about whether the supposed malware on the Google Android platform is significant. But in doing a little talking before we got started, I asked him about iTunes Match because I've run into problems and you said basically you're not interested in running iTunes Match. Why? I there's two reasons. I've heard a lot of bad things about it. Our publisher Dave Hamilton was a beta tester. He had um, some nightmares with it. Apple has had to uh, wipe out the database a couple of times and start over. There are some limitations on it. Once you subscribe to iTunes Match, then you're forced you're backed into a corner. I've ripped all my own CDs uh, with the quality that makes me happy. And I really have no interest in, in Apple munging around in my iTunes library. <laughs> One of those things where, um, you know, Apple's doing a lot of, a lot of stuff lately, and uh, it's hard to keep track of it all. Ted Landau has written about problems with the iCloud, and uh, then you have iTunes Match. So my feeling is, is that uh, you got to kind of pick and choose what you want to do and kind of ease into it slowly and do a lot of reading. Uh, for example, I'm getting Wi-Fi Sync working very nicely. I have uh, all my uh, iPhones, my wife's and my iPhones and iPads Wi-Fi synced back to the Mac Pro, and that's working nicely. Uh, but in terms of iTunes Match, um, why would I want to do it? I mean, you know, if, even if I did do it and I get all my songs converted, why would I want to pay another year's fee, you know, down the road? So. Uh, it's one of those things that Apple's doing so much these days that you've got to really kind of pick and choose what you want to do. Now, I try to do a lot of stuff so I can write about it, but even Apple's swamping us with <laughs> things like that. Driving so, us crazy. Uh, you know, it's interesting so, uh, here. Team has to kind of pick and choose what we specialize in. I've run into two problems with iTunes Match. Number one, and let's forget about the glitches I mentioned in a moment. But number one is my iPhone, I'm trying to use it with iTunes Match, but it keeps telling me that my iPhone is using a different Apple ID. But the Apple ID for iTunes and the Apple ID that I used for iTunes Match when I set it up is the same ID that my iPhone is set up with. It's not being used by a different ID. So Apple says, well, since it's being used by a different ID, you have to wait 90 days. 
Now, forget that this is not the case. Why 90 days? I can't get an answer for that. Oh, Ted wrote about that. There's a, there's a process whereby you can uh, somehow sell your phone or, or, or something like that, and it, it's a measure that Apple takes to keep people from pirating. Um, I don't know the details of that. Ted Landau is the expert in that area. I could see if you switch back and forth, but I think allow a person one mistake. Well, yeah, but you've got to convince the labels that the customers are worthy of one mistake. <laughs> so you think it's the labels causing this problem? Uh, I think it may be. That 90-day prohibition, what I understand, is an anti-piracy measure, and Apple uh, has to kind of kowtow to the, to the labels on all those rules. So it's paranoia. Strike steep. Yeah, and you brought up a sore subject with me, too, and that's the issue of... Uh, Apple IDs and iTunes IDs and mobile me IDs and why they can't be merged and what the differences are and whether when you switch from mobile me to Apple ID whether you should get one or whether you should get multiple ones and that's kind of a, a interesting subject to, to delve into too. So that's something I've approached pretty slowly. Um, I think my wife and I are going to go with one uh, Apple ID. The reason is because she follows along with me on the iPad and the iPhone. I set up the phone. She's not really, really, really into maintenance. She's very busy with her Java programming and work, and when she gets home, she doesn't fiddle much. So it's kind of left to me to manage the phone. So I set up the iPad and the phone the way she likes it, and I keep our phones and iPads in perfect sync with each other, and we sync our books and and uh, and we sync the address books and the calendars and so on. So I think in that case, we're going to go with uh, one Apple ID migrating from mobile means. I think it would be great if Apple just let you combine the IDs. This way, you're only dealing with one. There would be no question of piracy or switching IDs back and forth. You just combine them yeah. once, it's done, it's complete. If Apple can't merge uh, these IDs, then there's no hope for Western civilization. Ah, well, maybe there's no hope for Western civilization anyway. But we can get into a whole discussion about that, but you have to look at it this way. The other issue with iTunes Match, by the way, is it's flaky. The database is flaky. And I guess the most famous example is one I've mentioned on the show and other people have confirmed. You, for example, rip a Beatles album, Abbey Road. And even if it's not the latest remastered version, it's the original CD master from the 1980s, it will always match all but one song, She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. And I was thinking maybe they were Joe Cocker fans over at Apple, and they wanted you to have the Joe Cocker version instead of the Beatles version. But it doesn't match. Mm, maybe there's some keyword problems with the word bathroom. I, I don't know. <laughs> I have heard enough horror stories about iTunes Match that I, uh, I'm not the least interested in paying 30 bucks to uh, um, stab myself in the eye with a sharp stick. So, Well, the other song, by whatever. the way, that doesn't match is Don't Pass Me By. That's the Ringo Starr song from the Beatles White Album. And also, which is just as curious, the continuing story of Bungalow Bill. Maybe they don't like violence. Hey, Bungalow Bill, what did you kill, Bungalow Bill? Well, this all is getting into the issue of control. You know, are you going to give up control of Apple 
through Apple, I mean, they, are they going to manage your music? Are you going to wait for them to get around to fix their database and let them decide how things are going to match? Um, are you going to turn over control to them, load all your stuff up into the cloud, or are you going to, you know, stand up and take control of your stuff? Uh, or are you going to stand up and take control and manage your own data? take responsibility for the security of the data, take responsibility for how your data is stored, how it's available, who gets it, and where you store it, or are you just going to roll over and let Apple do everything for you? Can I get some musical so, background for this? Because it sounds like we should have a marching music <laughs> behind you as you're giving this litany of reasons why you do not wish to cede control to Apple or to the music companies, those greedy music companies. They're out there, and maybe that's the situation here. They're so paranoid. You're going to pirate music. They gave you iTunes Match, which in a sense makes your pirated music legal, doesn't it? Well, I don't know. I don't have any pirated music, but, uh, you know, it is a kind of an amnesty program. I've read that on the, uh, on the Internet. Um, and for those people who want to, uh, you know, pay for some amnesty, yeah, it's a, it's a nice way to do it, but uh, enough things go wrong in our computing life um, that um, when you're faced with having to fix something, uh, you need to have your own control. And I, I don't like the idea of, of discovering that there's something wrong, but I'm not in a position to fix it, or there are constraints on me. So. I just run my own show. So we can basically tell Apple, okay, Apple, take the 90-day limit, and you know where you can place it. <laughs> well, no. I wouldn't say that. I mean, I haven't had that problem. I'm not a user, so... I'll tell them that. I'll quote you. I'll quote you. <laughs> hey, you know, you can say that. Listen, Apple's restricting me. They can take their 90 days and do whatever they wish to do with it, but I am not a happy camper. And I'm also concerned over the fact that I'm happy to try iTunes Match. Certainly, it's worth the investment for testing and reporting, but they've got to fix that database. If you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us, news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. We'll read each and every message. We don't have to fix this guy because he's John Martellaro, the outspoken writer and prognosticator. Analyst and reviewer. And wherever else they let him get away with at MacObserver at themacobserver.com, you're listening to the Tech Night Out Live. So here's what happened I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Hi friends, this is Jeremiah from Zeobit, the makers of MacKeeper. MacKeeper is a bundled software of 16 of the most important system utilities all located in one place. It's a really powerful and cool application that includes anti-theft, antivirus, data encryption, you can undelete files, back up your data, and so much more. We offer lifetime customer support with every license, and we really do care about you and your Mac. For more information, check us out at MacKeeper.com. Once again, that's MacKeeper.com. 
Nick Wadina with Midas Resources. If you have an IRA or 401k, did you know you can turn that nest egg into a physical gold and silver nest egg? Do you know what kind of specific precious metals are allowed by law to be in retirement accounts? Did you know that you can take physical delivery of these precious metals? Would you like to know more? It's a fact. Stocks and mutual funds have been a wild ride, and many people's retirement funds have taken large hits. If you put $100,000 in gold in January of 2009, it would be worth over $200,000 today. If you put $100,000 in silver, then it would be worth over $300,000 today. As bailouts for banks and the seemingly endless printing of money continues worldwide, the value of the dollar could decline further, in turn possibly pushing gold and silver much, much higher. Protect what you work so hard for. Call me, Nick Wadina, 1-800-686-2237, extension 343, and learn what your options are. Again, that's 1-800-686-2237, extension 343. Once again, 1-800-686-2237, extension 343. Hey everybody, Alex Jones here. If you're looking for the perfect Christmas gift, listen up. This will make your holiday shopping very easy. This year, give a seed bank from one of our oldest sponsors, Solutions from Science, to your friends and family. Here's why. The Survival Seed Bank will give any friend or loved one the ability to grow a full acre crisis garden of nutritionally dense, life-sustaining food. And the Survival Seed Bank is not just a box of open-pollinated seeds. It's an indestructible, waterproof seed bank that can even be buried if we face a real meltdown. And here's the best part. All the seeds in the Survival Seed Bank go through strict germination testing so you can be confident you're not buying old seeds. Give a Survival Seed Bank this Christmas by going to survivalseedbank.com. That's survivalseedbank.com. Or you can call 877-327-0365 to give the gift that produces an ongoing supply of life-sustaining food. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightall.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightall.com. With John Martellaro of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com, we were talking about iTunes Match and why John does not wish to cede control to Apple. But there's an interesting piece you came out with not too long ago, and I'll read the title, and this is going to bring on a lot of discussions. It's called, This is How Apple Will Eventually Defeat DirecTV. Understand, 
I am also a DirecTV user, but maybe after reading this I shouldn't be using it? What do you think? Well, I think that DirecTV has its work cut out for them. Uh, the article describes, uh, as uh, I like to do and other writers like to do, a, an adventure, a misadventure of trying to get my equipment upgraded. And DirecTV has a very different philosophy about your equipment. Uh, they're not interested in, in helping you get your equipment upgraded. And I take it they don't make a lot of money on uh, the upgrades. Um, they, uh, they don't spend a lot of time and effort on their software to make your uh, viewing experience uh, fun, uh, the way Apple TV is. And so they're just happy to let you sit with equipment and age and age and age and keep taking that $6 a month forever until the equipment dies and when it's and, and you know being an Apple person I'm used to having a new iPhone uh, every summer alternate with my wife so we can go two years and are leaved and uh, I'm used to having you know pretty modern Apple equipment and so here I had this four-year-old maybe five-year-old HR 20 and it was like pulling teeth to get it uh, upgraded I finally had to travel to a little store a little tiny hole-in-the-wall dish store and pay cash and uh, come home and have uh, Apple and have DirecTV install it and get it configured and everything. Well, let me and ask you a question here. Yeah. Okay, so you're paying for this rental, which means, of course, it's a rental. You're not locked into keeping that piece of equipment. After the initial what twenty? There's a twenty-four month agreement with customers. Right. After that, you're right. month to month. So can't right. you say, look, you either upgrade my DVR or guess what? I'm going to. Well, you bought it. That was your problem. You didn't lease it. You bought it from Best Buy. Well, the way it, the way it works with DirecTV is, is it's sort of like a car lease. You know, there's money due at signing, and then there's a monthly fee. Uh, and, and it's also sort of like the subsidy on an iPhone. Yeah, but in this you case here, I didn't pay anything yeah. up front. I just ah, rent it from them. So I haven't asked for it because I haven't had DirecTV more than, what, about six or eight months. And I think the ah. HR24 is the one I'm using because it came out last summer. So yeah, that, I'm looking at the picture. That's the one I have. And it's a pretty decent well, one. But I, Okay, but if you do this thing where you sort of buy it and then pay a monthly service fee, they're not obligated to do anything. Just get another one. Well, they have an online uh, upgrade program. The problem there is is that you cannot select the DVR that you want. So uh, you're going to take potluck. So they're going to they're going to send you anything that they please. That didn't really turn me on. I thought might I might get an old HR22 as a replacement. Um, uh, one contributor to DBS Talk mentioned that when he took potluck, he got one that was used and faintly smelled of cigarette smoke. You may not get the storage capacity you want or the features you want. So. Uh, you know, I was pretty sure I wanted an HR24500 and uh, with Ethernet. I couldn't be guaranteed that. And I didn't like the idea of having a guy come out and say, well, this is what DirecTV is going to give you. So, you know, I went out and got my own. Let me ask you a question here, because this strikes me yeah. as dumb. Did you take it to a supervisory level at all, say, hey, why can't I be oh, guaranteed? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. You really went up the oh, ladder. Oh, yeah. I went up the ladder. I went to Robert Mercer, who's the director of DirecTV Public Relations. What was his uh, excuse? That it's leased equipment and um, that they want to simplify their inventory process. And I I said, simplify for who? Um, Apparently, customers are, you know, so often canceling and equipment gets shuffled around 
that it, DirecTV is just too hard-pressed to manage their inventory and, and deliver the latest and greatest product like Apple does. Uh, Apple doesn't seem to have any problem uh, delivering the latest and greatest iPhone or Apple TV. Sure, but they don't have people who Apple lease Care. equipment and keep returning it. So they're stuck with an older piece of equipment. And I guess no, they no, refurbish it, or do, do they just take the thing, stick it in the box, and send it to another customer? I think they do. DirecTV doesn't create any enthusiasm about their hardware. And what I think happens there is that, as a result, there's no enthusiasm about their software. And so... We're using a channel guide, you know, right out of the 1990s when you fire up your, your HR24 to look at what you're going to view and what you're going to record. Uh, now, I did give them some kudos for their iPad app, which is drop-dead gorgeous and really goes a long way towards helping you out. But the, uh, the software that comes in the, in the DVR is so bad, and the DVR processor is so slow. One of the reasons I needed to upgrade was because they download these software upgrades, and they bog it down with so much stuff that the older ones can't keep up anymore. So my wife was pressing the button, and nothing would happen. Then she'd press the button again in frustration, and it would undo what she did. And then she had to start over. So then one of the nice things about the HR24, and the reason I wanted it, is because it's a lot faster processor. It responds more quickly. It's like it should be when you press a button. Things happen now. Okay, should point out here, too, that there are a couple of screwy things there with DirecTV's interface. And DirecTV's interface, by the way, I think is probably about the same or better than the cable interface I tried from Cox Communications and Dish Network. Dish Network was no great shakes either. Okay. The thing about it is, say you record a lot of shows every week. And then, of course, you have shows that come on for the summer, you know, cable TV shows. You have a limit of 50 scheduled recordings, you exceed the limit, you can't add any more shows. Even though the show might be on summer limbo, you have to delete it and wait till the summer to add it again, at which time you have to delete the winter show. That's a limitation of their software. Now, wait a minute. I, I do something with the series manager. Where That's I right. Like series manager has there. a limit of 50 shows. Ah, uh, 50, oh, 50 series? Right. That you can put in there? Well, you know, if you... I hate to say this to you, Gene, but if you need more than 50 TV shows in your series manager, you probably need to get a better life. <laughs> well, not really, because you have to look at a lot of these series are like on for like 12 weeks or something like that. Or Doctor Who, they do yeah, like 12 episodes and that's it. And then maybe they have Being Human, and then maybe they have Primeval. So suddenly you've got three shows for a season because each show only has a short duration season. So 50 shows is easy. Or you'd go, for example, Dexter's 12 episodes. And then you have Strike Back over at Cinemax. Then you have Homeland from Showtime, another 12 episodes. So you have six series, of each of which is probably the equivalent of one or one and a half normal TV series, which is, what, 22 shows. So this is one reason why, if you tend to watch cable series, you're going to fill up pretty quickly. And that's how you get to the 50 limitation series manager. I don't recall that Dish Network or Cox had that limitation. We do have this limitation, that we have to pause and then get back with more discussions with John Martellero of the Mac Observer on the Tech Night Out Live.
America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockaway, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Burglars love easy targets, like a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television, so from outside it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, comes with AC adapter, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and give one or more for Christmas. Now through Christmas, get free standard shipping on any quantity fake TV purchase. Call 877-5-F-A-K-E-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. Heart and Body Extract continues to receive positive testimonials from people who have experienced amazing results, like Reed. I just wanted to send you a quick but a very big thank you for Heart and Body Extract. I've been on the formula for nearly a month now, and the improvement in the circulation of my legs has been simply amazing. Reed was facing a tough choice. I was facing surgery due to the severity of a 100% blocked artery in both my legs. And my decision waiting for surgery to say no and try heart and body extract instead has been thankfully the right decision. And the result? I can now walk up steps without noticeable pain. Order heart and body extract at 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305. Or hbextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life. From the shattered rust belt come the Lost Vegas. Now, also available in digital format at Amazon and iTunes worldwide. Don't come calling when your walls start falling down. Don't come when your walls start falling down. Respect, don't take it away. How does it feel to be one of the beautiful Life Before the Collapse by The Lost Vegas on 180 gram vinyl and mastered especially for vinyl by legendary audio engineer Steve Hall. This guy, 
Life Before the Collapse by The Lost Vegas. The Lost Vegas. Now available at Amazon.com. And iTunes. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer on the Tech Night Owl Live, exploring the curious case of DirecTV trying to get a brand spanking new DVR, and they say, basically, go somewhere. (laughs) Now, the other question I wondered, did you at all say, hey, I'm month to month. You want my business. You want my business. Give me what I want. Did you hit him with that? No, because I've been a DirecTV subscriber for 14 years. And they I wouldn't take you seriously. Something from the frying pan to the fire is going to help me. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I prefer to go up the channel. And they did uh, work a deal with me. Uh, Robert Mercer had uh, a team, um, a customer. Let's see if I can find the note on it. It's uh, called a customer adjustment team, which I had never heard of. <laughs> it sounds like something where they send out a couple of snipers. It's the, it's the DirecTV Adjustment Bureau, I think. <laughs> and I got a very nice call from a fellow, um, and he said, tell you what, we're going to take $20 a month off your bill for six months. They don't like to do big chunks. And so we'll refund you the difference between what you paid and our best offer for an upgrade, which was 99 bucks at the time. And um, so I'll get a little bit of money back. The other problem that they have is, is that, you know, you have this modern device with uh, all this technology and MPEG-4 and, and DVR recording technology, and it doesn't do Wi-Fi. And so they're having a very hard time selling video on demand. Whenever my wife and I want to watch a movie, we go to the Apple TV, and we pick the movie we want, and we watch it. Now, I'll tell you something. I mean, they do have a way of doing this, and it's really peculiar. If they're using your standard cable connection, and you've got that cable from your cable provider in the same room in which you have an Ethernet port, they have an adapter that works between your Ethernet port and your cable TV coax. They give it to me free. Ah, very good. Very good. Well, you know, 99% of people don't have an Ethernet behind their TV. Exactly. So they either have to have this clumsy workaround or they stick a Wi-Fi dongle on it. What could that cost? Well, if you have to pay for it, it's 50 bucks. Um, and it, it's, I asked Robert Mercer why they don't include Wi-Fi in the device, and he says, well, I'll, I'll check on that. So the, <laughs> the result is that a lot of customers don't even think about doing video on demand with their uh, DirecTV because they don't have Ethernet, either Wi-Fi or a cable, and they don't know how to connect it up. They don't know why they should, but they know that the Apple TV was so easy because all I had to do was plug it in and enter their Apple ID, and they were done. So that's another issue that DirecTV is having a problem with. And DirecTV, by the way, gives you great video on demand. For a dollar extra, you get 1080p, the same as Blu-ray. And we rented a movie this past weekend. Not a new movie, but it was just gorgeous, as good as the Blu-ray version. So, you know, they have... Are you sure it was 38 megabits per second? Because... Even the 1080p is compressed. Oh, I know it's compressed. What I'm saying is, if there was a difference, the difference was not significant enough to be immediately obvious. Uh, It wasn't an action film. 
Nice. Was a drama. Nice. Okay. So I'll grant that what you say is true, but there you go. So, all right, Direct TV, their public relations department, I guess tried to help, but their basic policies are somewhat clueless. And as you say, with Apple TV, it's a lot easier, and they could be losing business, especially now if Apple comes out with their own connected TV. Absolutely. That's going to be interesting. Do you think that's going to happen? Yes. Because Walter Isaacson said that Steve Jobs had cracked the code. (laughs) I was talking to a friend this morning, and he talked about Disney Cruise Lines. You know know how cruise lines were kind of, you know, shady, and making a reservation was kind of sometimes hard, and the, the ships weren't that great. And then Disney said, you know, we can make a better experience with cruise line. And with our label, with the Disney label on these cruise ships, Families are going to go berserk, and we're just going to give them a great time. And Disney gave the other cruise lines a really hard time for a while. And I think Apple can do the same thing. Just do a great experience. Make everybody else look bad. It'll take them years to catch up, like they copied the iPhone. Speaking of copying the iPhone, obviously the number one smartphone platform right now turns out to be Google's Android, because, of course, Google gives it away, and there are lots of manufacturers who have different models. Very confusing. One of the issues that's been raised from time to time is the question of malware because you have a non-curated or mostly non-curated app store ecosystem from Google. And you did a piece where you talked to some people, including Sasha Segan from PCMag.com, who's a friend of this show and has been on here, and you discussed the issue of malware. Is there a severe or serious or compelling malware threat on the Google Android platform. So what did you find out? Well, you know, I sensed that being an Apple observer that it was all too easy to fall into the syndrome um, that Android uh, malware is a bad situation. And it didn't help that Juniper Network came out with a blog entry where their research had shown that Android malware had climbed 472% since May. Of course, we don't know... 472% 472% of what? But we, we in the Apple world, sometimes are too likely to fall into the idea that because Apple curates its apps, uh, we have a snug, cozy, secure world with Apple, and all those Android people are at risk. And I, I got to thinking, so how bad is the risk really? And, and so the first person I wanted to talk to was Sasha because he is probably the best mobile phone expert on the planet that I know of. And like I said, he's been on the show. He was on just this past week. Right. So he was talking, by the way, of his review of the Kindle Fire. And I don't always agree with him Mm. about things, but Mm. his wealth of knowledge is incredible. So what did Sasha say? It is. So what he said was that things aren't as bad as they're made to appear by some people in the community. If they were really, really bad, the carriers would be crying foul, Customers would be uh, outraged. All sorts of articles would be going on about people who were having trouble. That you know, it would be widespread. This would be a pandemic. The whole situation would be in disarray. In fact, it's not. Uh, there's a lot of malware in China uh, where people are, are sideloading things that they shouldn't be sideloading. Explain but here, by the way, that sideloading means you're installing software oh. from somewhere other than the official Google App Store. Yeah, when Android phones first came out, they were locked to the Android market, and customers complained about that. So uh, Google relented, or carriers relented, carriers, 
and allowed people to, you know, connect to a site and download their own apps and install them. It's called sideloading. But the gist is, is that, number one, the marketplace, the Google market is, is fairly good shape. There isn't an epidemic. When problems are found with apps, Google removes them. People who have their Android phones are not, in general, really experimental. Don't spend a lot of time, unless you're a geek and you're messing around, they don't get off the beaten track and go out experimenting and you know, connecting to sites that they've never heard of and downloading apps that they're kind of don't know much about and then they get into trouble. It's mostly they stick to the Android market if, if they even do download apps for their phones. And so most of the time there really isn't a problem. And, and Sasha finished by saying, you know, the bigger problem is your personal information that gets spilled in other ways. You know, the, the tracking of you that we don't control so well, the advertisers are getting information about your habits and location data. You know, he said that's really a bigger problem in the U.S. right now. Uh, the, way, the way these smartphones naturally spill information to you, the people who have a, a advertising interest. But uh, in, in terms of the Android community just being riddled with malware and people being screwed over and over, it's not happening, according to Sasha. All right. So, obviously, if this were to happen, it'd be something in the future, and then maybe at that point Google and the carriers would be constrained to find solutions, either built-in antivirus software or something. So right now it's not right. serious. Let's go further on your odyssey right. to find out about the Google malware situation because you talk to other people, but we'll get to that in a moment. We have John Martellero. He's with the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. And you're in the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Introducing a Diabetes Breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money-back guarantee. 
Waiting for the side effects disclaimers? With MDS Forte, there are none. Order a 25-day treatment of MDS Forte by calling 213-405-5355. 213-405-5355. Or visit bestbloodsupport.com. That's bestbloodsupport.com for MDS Forte, a diabetes breakthrough. What happened, man? You used to be energetic, happy, and wow, did the ladies love you. Now, you fall asleep on the couch, irritable, and out of shape. Don't be that guy. Call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male, a natural supplement shown to raise testosterone by 50% and maintain healthy, normal levels. No injections, no appointments. With healthy testosterone levels, you can feel that energy again, that great outlook again, and yes, even a healthy sex drive. Right now, you can try Ageless Male risk-free. There's nothing to lose, guys. If you're a man who's noticed changes in your body, your mood, your sex life, call now for a risk-free trial of Ageless Male. Be the guy you used to be. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Don't wait another day. Just call 1-888-246-0623. Again, 1-888-246-0623. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. With John Martellaro of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com, we have been talking about the possibilities of a malware problem, true or false, with the Google Android platform. And, of course, you mentioned Sasha Segan saying, well, you know, this is not a significant issue, especially here in the USA and, I guess, in the more industrialized countries other than perhaps China. Who else did you go to? I also talked to Michael Gartenberg with uh, the Gartner Group, uh, no relation in the names or anything. And he's a pretty uh, well-known uh, observer of the, uh, the industry as well. He knows a lot about the phone industry. And uh, he agreed with Sasha. Although I didn't tip him off when I talked to these people, I didn't tell them what other people said, of course, to get an unbiased opinion. And, and Mr. Gartenberg jumped right out and he said, you know, I don't see a problem. So, uh, it, it's being blown out of proportion when people do talk about it. And in his mind, the bigger problem is just badly written apps, apps that don't uh, measure up. They get put into the store. They're not malware. They don't, they don't try to steal your information uh, or, or, or dig into private data, but they're just badly written. So they burn up the network, uh, burn up your battery. He told me about one app that didn't respect the no data roaming flag. So 
you get out, outside the country, uh, you run your app, you think it's safe from roaming, it roams anyway, it's downloaded a lot of data, and you get a $1,000 bill or more from your carrier. So, And your carrier is not, of course, going to say, well, we'll give you a break. It's no, our no. fault that you downloaded this app. You download an app, you're responsible for the consequences. He even went so far as to take the line that the uh, modest amount of, of mobile antivirus software coming out isn't necessary yet. Um, you know, um, virus barriers available for uh, iOS. Uh, McAfee has uh, some security tools for Android for the paranoid, um, but uh, he doesn't think they're necessary yet. And um, uh, he also pointed out that uh, Android apps, like iOS apps, are sandboxed. So if you clamp down, if, if you don't give them permission, and they're forced to remain sandboxed, and you, you watch out for what permissions they want from you, you're in probably very good shape. So that was Mr. Gardenberg's uh, summary. And he is a Mac user, by the way. Yes. Yes, and he was a good friend of Steve Jobs. He also does a column occasionally for Macworld magazine. Macworld. I think he started writing for them recently. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we might have him on the show in the near future. I just wanted to mention that. Okay, well, who was yeah, num- he's a cool guy. Who was number three? Number three was Dan Frommer. Uh, I've gotten to know Dan Frommer over the years when he was working for Business Insider. I liked his insights. I liked his... Uh, Ability to really be in touch with the industry and dig in and talk to people. Uh, he since left Business Insider and formed his own tech site. Um, and and he was a little more um, what was it, circumspect about Google. His reaction was that Google's doing this on purpose. Uh, that it's almost a, a not in other words not doing a curation. Uh, that, that Google is, is almost having an emotional reaction to Apple's control and is intentionally leaving the market open uh, as a sort of a philosophical statement. Knee-jerk. line in the sand, so to speak. And, uh, knee-jerk? Well, I wouldn't call it knee-jerk. I would call it a philosophical difference of opinion. And, you know, when, when you have somebody who's trying to control you, uh, there's always somebody else who's trying to say, no, I want total freedom and Google likes that idea. So, you know, when they find malware, they pull it, but in general they want the market to be very open, and that's their uh, sort of like their signature. Um, that's what they want. Dan also had another interesting comment to make, though, about the carriers. He mentioned that um, the carriers probably would, don't want to get involved in this curation themselves because uh, they don't want to be seen as getting um involved to the point where they expose themselves to risk or responsibility for the curation. So as long as they can sit back and say, well, you know, our phones are wonderful and our wireless network is wonderful, but if you've got a tr- trouble with your Android phone, then you go talk to Google. <laughs> and Google doesn't want to <laughs> hear you us. because Google has no customer us. service, <laughs> infrastructure, whatever, for this kind of thing. I guess you're adding one if you are right. a business user of Google Apps where you pay a monthly fee per user, they're going to have some kind of support for that. Otherwise, good luck with getting support from Google. Right, right. So in summary, I talked to three people who really knew the industry really well, and all of them agreed that you can go out and buy an Android phone with confidence, 
You can um, download software from the Android market, and uh, you can do that with uh, confidence and pretty good safety, and use your phone to good advantage, assuming you like using the Android OS. And I had a lot of positive feedback on that article from people who said, you know, this is pretty cool. It's a well-balanced article um, coming from a place like the Mac Observer, <laughs> which is why I wrote it, was because, you know, you, people tend to get off on these uh, rants uh, that, are, that aren't very well-researched. So uh, I was pretty happy with the uh, result of the article and uh, the responses I got. If you're going to criticize Google on the Android platform, Criticize them for having bad apps. Criticize the operating system for various and sundry bugs, if that's what you will. Criticize the ecosystem. Oh, for patent abuse. <laughs> Criticize the ecosystem because you want to get an update. You need an update for the Android operating system. Good luck in getting one. You know, all sorts of things you can criticize. But I guess right. that's not one of them. It's not one of them yet. Um, as we know... Uh, there are uh, bad guys out there on the Internet who seize every opportunity to make money from your carelessness um, and to infect your uh, computer or your smartphone. So uh, I can see the, how things could possibly get worse. But that's, that's not to say that Google and the carriers are not taking steps either. So um, it's not a free-for-all yet. As I said, I would think then, you know, there's a point here where whether the carrier wants to say they have responsibility or not, they do. They sell you the product. They tie you into a long-term contract where you're locked into that product. You can't probably even switch to another carrier, even if you're willing to pay the early termination fee. The phone might be locked. So if you're locked in and you have problems that are occasioned by something that causes you to lose money, so, for example, malware, you know, there might be a liability there. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't play one on TV. But I could see if the problem were to gain in strength, become significant here, their lawyers would say, you know what, we better make sure Google does something first. Right. And, and I also got a letter the other day from AT&T that advised me that they detected uh, activity trying to break into their online accounts um, and reminded me to, uh, you know, avoid... Uh, phishing expeditions and uh, and filling out forms via email and and uh, watch out for scammers. So uh, you know they, they they do do network monitoring behind the scenes. That that they do. Well, that's good to know. I mean, I wouldn't want <laughs> anything like that happen. To tell our listeners in the remaining minute or so what you got coming up at Mac Observer and where they can find more information. Well, I am a senior editor for uh, reviews and analysis, and one of my review projects is to look at alternatives to MobileMe and iWeb, and I'll be doing that in the coming months. And one of my editorials coming up is, as we talked about earlier in the program, uh, Apple may be trying to do too much. So uh, watch for that one, and uh, you can find all that at, uh, at MacObserver.com. And you got people there like, of course, our old friend Ted Landau. Yes, we've uh, been uh, adding some new writers. We've got a, a brand-new writer, uh, Jim Tornis, who used to work for uh, Apple, and he's great, and he's a very good writer and very technical. And uh, we've got a new writer, Melissa Holtz, who's been doing some fabulous tips for us. So uh, things are going very well at the Mac. Onward and upwards. You can find more of our stuff at technightowl.com. That's technightowl.com. you find us on Twitter. 
It's Tech Night Owl. Of course, Tech Night Owl at Twitter where you could follow us. We may even follow you and we have regular posts about the things that we're up to. Then we have another show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called the Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. And this weekend, we're talking about UFOs in wartime. Okay? Like the Foo Fighters in World War II. All that coming up. Special thanks to John Martellaro. Thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. It was a pleasure. The Tech Night Out Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.